Hi, everybody. Welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast, episode 64. I'm your host, back in the basement to talk about the week that was in wrestling. And along with me, as always, my co-host and teenage son, Jackson. Say hello, Jack. I'm here somewhat reluctantly because NXT sucks. <laughs> NXT is not your favorite, that is for sure. No, it's um, awful. Again, I would say um, if you have an arch nemesis who you secretly hate, um, just be like, hey, you want to watch him wrestling with me? And then put on NXT. Right. It's not been great. We're, I don't know... We're still watching it. We're still going to talk about it, but uh, yeah, it's also, I guess... It's we sh- getting to the point where I like, I kind of almost hate myself for continuing on. And I honestly don't even feel like taking extensive notes anymore because I'm just like, none of this really matters. Well, yeah, so you don't just- need to, and part of that for me would be they don't deserve it. Too bad. It. But yeah. anyways, I guess we should say start off by saying happy Thanksgiving to any Canadian oh, yes, listeners. That is true. Um, Obviously, I think in the U.S. it's November, right? Right. It's much later. But if you're in Canada like we are, then... We, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. We've got, uh, we plans, got plans of a Friendsgiving tomorrow with a couple families on our street. There's been rumors of three separate turkeys happening. Did you oh, hear that? Nice. So we're, uh, smoked, because, you know, like, one of oh. our... Neighbors loves the smoker. Is there, smoker. like, going to be a lot of gravy? Because I require, like, a lot Probably, of Probably, I hope. Maybe we should take some just to be safe. Yes, because I, I like a ridiculous amount of gravy. So I think a smoked turkey. Nice. A deep fried turkey, which I've never tried, but I heard is amazing. And once you have it, it's hard to go back. Do? Just, like, r- roast it in the oven. So ah, be a, so new turkey. A standard oven, a smoked one, and then a deep fried one. Ah, so three families options. getting together. Don't know if anyone's pool is <laughs> reminds me of the, still open or not. I don't know if anyone else listening has watched it, but remember, it reminds me of that one episode of the Goldbergs. Um, oh, where they where they're fighting over Thanksgiving yes. and like they have like the two different turkeys. The neighbor comes like over to deep fry it and yeah, it yeah. backfires. I don't know. If anyone watches the Goldbergs, let us know because that's a good show. It's a great show. So yeah, that's all our plans. I don't think we have anything planned today. Your brother's basketball just got canceled, so we'll be all of us home today and then tomorrow yeah. out to a friend's. And we do have Monday off, so that is a much needed and appreciated holiday at this point. Uh, I don't know anything else. What's new with you this um, week? Anything I've exciting? I've been to like seven WalMarts this week, maybe. Yeah, you um, took a... Thornhill, Stouffville, Aurora, Markville, Keswick, and various Walmarts. And found a Kenny Omega. I did get an um, Unrivaled for Kenny Omega. And then I have picked up many more um, of the Marvel CMF packs, collectible minifigures. Right. They're basically Lego blind bags from Marvel. And so I already had um, like five going in, which two of them were duplicates. So when I went to the movies with my friends, I saw of Venom Let There Be Carnage twice last weekend. Right, which you um, thought was good, right? Yeah, I liked it. Um, I traded my friend one of them I didn't really care about right. um, for one of the ones I really wanted because he had a duplicate. So, And then I got um, three on Monday. Uh, two of them were duplicates of a guy. So now I have four of the same one. Right. Which I don't, I, which I didn't really want. And then I got two more. Um, was it? No, it, that was Thursday when I got the Kenny. And I got two of the ones I wanted, so that's nice. I'm doing pretty good with those. With your minifigure collection, yes. Yeah, there's... It's weird, because I only have seven, like, unique ones. Um, and it doesn't feel like a lot, but there's only 12 in the series, right? right. So that's actually, like, most of it. And you saw Santana and Ortiz somewhere Oh, in yeah. When I went to the, the Keswick Walmart on Monday, they had, like, all of Unrivaled 4. And then when I went to actually purchase some yes or thursday they were all gone they had kenny and a cody Rhodes. right i did want the kenny though so at least they had one of those right and you got your money back on your kazarian that broke oh, yes, the first I got day an unrivaled five uh kaz um from a thornhill toys r us and um the leg snapped off he has the, yeah he has the same legs as pack and 
foolish me thought the legs were just whatever and i bent it forward too far and um it snapped off yep which i didn't even think to do with packs i don't know what i was thinking but we got money back that's okay and i did manage to keep the tag belt (laughs) right that's true you kept the belt returned the figure got so i went instead nice uh i don't know nothing exciting for me just another week of work didn't really watch any i've sort of we got a short week not watching as much random wrestling as i have been lately yeah so I just haven't had much time. I still got through my impact and all of the things we talk about on this show. And my yep. ROH was a day late this week. So 524 is out there. Uh, I put it out on Tuesday, I think it was, if you're interested in any ROH sort of recap and review of that show. Uh, and I guess we should give it our contact information, right? If you'd like to contact us, fnswrestling at gmail.com comes to me. FNS underscore wrestling underscore podcast on Instagram will go to Jack. You can leave a comment in the YouTube section if that's where you listen to us. We promise we'll get back to you any feedback or just tell us what you think of the world state of wrestling right now. Do you agree with us on NXT? Are you enjoying it? Do you want me? You want to fight me to the death over (laughs) your opinions of NXT? (laughs) How do you feel about AEW? All of these. Any topics are on the table, so feel free to reach out and we'll definitely reply to you. But I guess it's about that time we should move into talking about some actual wrestling. Yes, sir. And our first segment every week is to take a look at some news and rumors. So ratings for this week, we've got Tuesday's live edition of WWE 2.0 drew 632,000 viewers. So a down again, down 3.51% this week. And a 0.13 in the 18 to 49 demographic, down another 7.14%. So these are the lowest viewership and demo numbers since the relaunch. So I keep saying that every week, I feel like, right? Like every week it's the lowest number since the relaunch. Well, I think people are slowly, so they're slowly um, dwindling yeah, and so leaving. Getting some sense in their heads. Like Even like us. More. There's some Over talk time. about why don't we replace it with NXT UK and talk about that like, instead. So know, literally anything it's possible. else. And that's something, um, listeners, you could let us know. If you're really tuning in to listen to us talk about NXT. Or if there's something get, else you would right. like to hear us. If we get feedback saying, please, no, please no. Please something else. If they're like, no, no, we need you guys to keep talking NXT, then we probably will. But if people don't seem to care, we may move on at some point because it's yeah. just not an enjoyable product right now. And I mean, maybe we check back in with it in a month or something, or I might even quietly be watching it on my own just to see. But Oh, I taking might detailed, watch it just because I hate myself. Taking, but... <laughs> yeah, you tend to like watching bad things, right? I do. So, but taking notes and talking about it is becoming a chore, right? And the point of this podcast is we have fun and it's a hobby and talking NXT and and every week has not become very fun. So, <laughs> I don't know, I'll probably give it another week or so I keep saying that, but let us know how yeah, you feel about NXT fair. coverage and if replacing it with something else, we're open to suggestions. So, again, this was the lowest key demo rating for a live USA Network episode since June 29th. So, these numbers are not good, obviously. And then I didn't put it in my news, but couple that with the fact. Remember I read you uh, some reporter's tweet or whatever that was basically like the whole point of NXT 2.0 right now is to tap into young people who are like hip and into current events and current things. And that's the demographic that is leaving in droves, it seems, right? So again, I talk about it. I think um, it'll come up again when we talk about NXT, but it feels to me like it's people who are not in touch with the youth saying like designing a program targeted at youth. That's pretty much always how it is with kid shows. Right, like, that's that's how this feels. Care. It's older people going like, "Hey, this is what the kids are into, so we'll throw a character like this and like that." And it's just not connecting with anyone, I don't right. think. But anyways, 
Uh, in contrast, Wednesday's live second anniversary edition of AEW Dynamite drew 1.053 million viewers, so down um, just under 9%, and they earned a 0.37 in the key demographic, which is down a pretty significant um, almost 18%. So um, they ended their six-week streak at number one in the cable top 150 and dipped down slightly to number four. But again, there's still over a million viewers, which I think is pretty good. I don't know what they're looking for, but to me, over a million for them, around 700,000 for NXT seems to be like the threshold of a pretty decent show. So numbers down slightly, but still cleared a million this week. Any news from you? Nice. Um, we're probably going to talk about it later on, but everyone probably knows already so um hangman page did make his triumphant return yes in the casino ladder match um entering as the joker you love and to see it as they yes, say yes and he did win he's now got a shot at kenny omega it feels good mm-hmm. um great to see him back i thought he looked good and now they cannot deny this match any longer yep the crowd was happy to see him and we're gonna get the match we want and i wouldn't be surprised if we get a title change and i'm really looking forward to what we've this got this is a, like one got of a those month to perfect build. title changes like, got a month to build about you said i think yep. So they'll do a great Just job, about, I have I no doubt, building yeah, that. Yeah, so I think full gear is usually in November. Right. Yeah, Um. and uh, just to follow off of that, yep. um, AEW has announced the return of the world title Eliminator Tournament. Um, they announced that yesterday on Rampage, and they will reveal the bracket on next week's Saturday Night Dynamite. Um, for those who don't remember, this was the tournament that Kenny Omega actually won last year, right. beating Hangman Page in, in the finals at last year's Full Gear pay-per-view. And that is how he got to be the champion that he is today. So this tournament at least has, like, you can point to it and say, look, it made Kenny Omega into... Right. Like, and you know I love right a good now. tournament and a, t- a tournament on a roster that's full of, like, awesome talent. I'm, Especially I'm the roster has evolved a ton since last year. So uh, Absolutely. So it should be great. Um, yeah, and I think it's cool because um, Hangman Omega faced off last year at Full Gear. So right. that's probably going to happen again. this year. Yeah. Um, Ring of Honor announced this week that after dominating the Pure Division for a year now, Jonathan Gresham will be competing for the ROH World Title Division now held by Bandito. Good for him. So in Ring of Honor, if you're not listening to my weekly podcast about that, you can only compete in one division at a time. So you're either in the tag, I think it's tag TV, world title, or pure division. So Gresham Gresham storyline-wise has quote-unquote applied to the board of directors to change divisions. I think that's a great decision. This guy, despite being sort of tiny and actually he's super ripped he's just short so i shouldn't even say (laughs) tiny Um, but he is a fantastic wrestler so this opens up some more uh interesting matches for him i think and i'm pretty interested to see him in that division because he's done all he can do in the pure division so and it needs sort of a a refresh i feel like it needs to get a little more entertaining and less like perhaps taylor rust could be (laughs) So I'm pretty cool with this idea. Gresham is fantastic. If you haven't seen him wrestle before, uh, I highly recommend checking out some of his work. So some new competition for him, which will be good. Yeah. And um, next, uh, Edge versus Seth Rollins uh, set for Crown Jewel, and that will be a Hell in a Cell match. Oh, nice. I yeah. Will, I mean... Won't watch it, but... That's kind of cool, because um, I feel like with the pay-per-view now every year, yeah. it's rare that we get a non-Hell in a Cell pay-per-view Hell in a Cell match. It is. And sometimes those feel like the ones where it's more warranted, if there's actually right, been like, a feud building to right, it. Right, because, like, other than, like, a blood feud, they would have no obligation to put it on right. the pay-per-view, right? So, yeah, it does work. Like, the last one that I can remember... Not being on Hell Cell was, I think, 2016. It was uh, Shane and Undertaker. It's been that long, eh? Five I years. I think so. I, You're probably I, right. I can't Let's think of honest. any other ones. but So that that's kind of cool. I feel like 
I don't necessarily pay attention to this feud, but just from what I hear, I... There is a feud, and so... It does, I guess it does sound like it's warranted. Right. Um, Earlier this week, suspicious, as Johnny Gargano removed any references to NXT from his social media. Now, this could all just be a little bit of game, but it's fun to read into it, right? So, furthermore, he took to Twitter on Tuesday, posted a photo of his NXT title, his NXT North American title, and his NXT tag team title belt, along with Candice LeRae's women's tag team belt, with the caption of the photo being, What's next? with the thinking face emoji. All elite. That, coupled with the fact that his contract is set to expire on December 3rd, is obviously leading to a ton of speculation. Or he's just trying to get hits on social media. Who knows? But it's fun to imagine that... He is leaving and going somewhere else. I would assume I would AEW would be the really only like place. I would like to but... see him in AEW. Like, I don't know. He's he's so good. And I I wouldn't have said he was underused like a while ago, but I feel like he really hasn't done anything that interesting he's, yeah, in, he's a, in a long time. sort of established himself as able to do anything, right? He's done like right, straight baby face, I straight think, heel, comedy heel, comedy baby I face. Think that's he, so dangerous because now he's fallen into this comedy thing. And I don't think he should be user yes he's good at because he's freaking talented but like then he just it's like grimes he can do whatever they need him to do so then he falls into this rabbit hole of something stupid hopefully not he has performed the heck out of i mean we don't like the way stuff there's been a couple segments along the way i thought were amusing but (laughs) no way (laughs) no criticism of him at all he's been all of them really have been performing really really well i would love to see him in aw because that would give him a fresh start he could come in as like an uber baby face and just i don't know i feel like they would definitely i just worry that again this roster is super bloated and they just brought in some mega stars reignite the feud with cole they're gonna have to start releasing people at some point oh they gotta release um who sucks uh um oh yes luther (laughs) well of course yes that would be great but he's jericho's buddy so he's made he's a made man release jericho Ooh, wow there's a hot take (laughs) uh any other news for you i only have one more story Uh um a iconic belt designer reggie parks has passed away i saw that um yeah and he's um I only know his name because I know in, like, the introductory thing for the WWE games, it's always got, like, the all the copyright text and whatever, and there's right. a bunch of logos, and it's, like, Reggie Park belts or whatever. Um, he's designed, like, a lot of the WWE's iconic belts, like the Winged Eagle title and the mm-hmm. the inf- infamous Intercontinental title, the white strap. Like, he's yep. pretty, like, famous. Sounds like a job that. opening for you. You love detail stuff and designing stuff. So yeah. there you go. Be the next major okay. belt designer that'd be fun we'll get you in the shop at uh, high school you can start working with some metal make some belts work with metal and leather oh that'd be fun get in there with mesha yes build make some belts yes sorry the buddy of ours an inside reference hi mesha you're not listening to this but you know who you are um the last bit of news i have it'll come up when i talk about uh impact a little bit later on the show but diana perrazzo had sort of quote unquote a mystery opponent for the Knockouts Knockdown event. I guess that's tonight, right? Oh, yeah, I saw who it was, yeah. So her opponents revealed... Um, so Mickey James, basically on Impact, and Deanna Perrazzo have been given the opportunity to make a match for the other ahead of their um, championship match that's at the... I forget Come on, the, you can do the it. name of the big pay-per-view. You can do it. Whatever it is. I Bound don't know. for glory. There you go. BFG. Um <laughs> So Deanna's match tonight on the pay-per-view will, she'll take on Masha Slamovich, and I only saw her for the first time when I watched NWA Empower, whatever that was, a month ago, and I was really impressed. I thought she had a cool look. 
Uh, she looked good in the ring. So I'm really looking forward to seeing her work with Diana Perazzo because Diana Perazzo can make anybody look good. So if Slamovich is actually good already, it's probably going to be a pretty uh, fun match. So I'm actually looking forward to seeing more of Slamovich. And I think she has signed with them. I think that was in my news a while ago that she signed. So that's good. I'm I'm actually looking forward to seeing they that. They seem to I will, be rebuilding the women's division. I will probably watch that show tonight, I think. Maybe even live or close to it. We'll see what, how much time I have. Nice but anyways, any, that's it for me. What do you um, have? Last one. I did kind of tell you about this already. But um, W will be returning to Canada for the first time yeah. since early 2020 as part of their holiday tour. So Canadians, um, be on the lookout. Um, mainly us here because there will be a show in Toronto on December 29th, uh, it's, I, what, let me find the name. It's the Coca-Cola Coliseum. Yeah, I don't, don't know what that is. I don't know but, what that is. Well, but, they all change names and stuff, right? So right. I'm sure once I look up where it is, I'll be like, oh, I know that. Oh, it's the ACC It or used something. to be this or yeah, this, yeah. but, uh, yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah, um, so that'll be on the, on December 29th, um, and then also in Place Bell, I don't know. Yep. Um, in Laval, Quebec, yes. so. Place Bell. You Quebecers who yeah. are wrestling fans. Um, you got a show, and we also got a show. So. And we're sort of starved for any kind of live wrestling, so right. I wouldn't be surprised. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, and this we does kind of line that. up, right, with our Christmas break. So. Yes, so we would have the time, and I'm sure it'll be only, there'll be vaccine restrictions and whatnot there. But anyways, we may go check that out. We'll have to see. Uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Have to check that out. All right, so that's wrapping up our news and rumors. Is going to take us into talking about our favorite Ooh. show. Just kidding of every week lately and that is to take a look at oh, NXT yeah. 2.0 so the show starts this week with a brief recap of last week's tag team situation and we're told that there will be a four-way tag team match for the championships tonight yes the eight-man tag went from a four-way tag and who are the teams in it again tag. remind me um msk coffee. obviously uh chris young veterans yay and then we dive off a cliff introducing trick williams and carmelo hayes and then josh right. briggs and brooks jensen right because we got to get as many people in every segment as possible especially new teams who are unestablished and also i don't like so who made this match did they make it themselves of course they all came out uh, and challenged there was that brawl segment last week right so this is how matches are made now you just either do it yeah. or pick fights or whatever mm -hmm. yep very original stuff so then we do start with the match this week and it is ember moon taking on mandy rose so we get holds and counters to start back elbow by moon Mandy's then slaps and taunts, but they just sort of fire up Ember Moon, who puts Rose in the tree of woe and kicks her repeatedly. We get a nice fast suicide dive by Ember Moon to JC Jane before um, Mandy Rose sort of comes back with an apron bomb to Ember Moon. We get an inverted gut wrench kind of suplex by Mandy I thought was kind of cool. A nice discus forearm. Then Moon jumps off the top, hits a code breaker. Rose dodges the eclipse at one point, hits her high running knee, and Mandy Rose wins and toxic attraction stand tall as moon sort of looks frustrated out on the floor uh what did you think of this match um uh commentary we're definitely trying too hard to drive home and moon is... is more vicious and serious old <laughs> kushia 2.0 i smell um despite she looks the exact same since when i saw her despite her saying oh she might need a change i think they are somehow hinting at a change yes it looks like but yeah. um i don't know this I guess it was, there was a lull in some of the action, right? We had a lengthy sort of uh, Ember Moon body scissors, then an abdominal stretch, stretch like a couple seconds later. 
she did look a little more aggressive but you're right like they really did try and drive that that was one of the talking points for sure right that they're driving home is that ember moon looks a little bit more aggressive and a little different from what she used to and i thought moon dominated most of a fairly short match i thought she looked pretty good here and then it was the classic like rose has enough to hit her finisher almost out of nowhere um most of Mandy's offense was pretty basic, but I liked the inverted suplex, and I thought her knee strike looked pretty good, to which Kenny Omega tweeted something about having fans all over the place or something, because people are yeah. saying, like, she's basically winning with a V-trigger, right? Yeah, Um. and so I thought this was another crap match from NXT 2.0. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's nothing that great or interesting. Ember Moon got the majority of offense until Mandy ended with one of her mediocre knee strikes. V-trigger with my ass. Uh, <laughs> not great, and it sucks that Ember Moon is jobbing to Mandy Rose, like... Yeah, I, I thought feel like Moon that looked is better. unbelievably backwards. I thought Moon looked better than Rose for most of this, and then Mandy hit a couple things in one. Uh, definitely not a hot I opener. I preferred her. She used to use the uh, version of the fairy tale ending, but yeah. I guess can't but, do that. No, now. but Champa doesn't even use no, it. He He's doesn't. been using the Willow's Bell and also Project Champa. Yes. Um, kicks both of those finishers like it's the best. Yeah. It's a power bomb in a long door. So not a whole um a hot opener, but I didn't think I thought it was a decent match. I guess like I don't think it was awful. I liked it a bit more than you did. I think. Um, and then I have a note here. Oh, no. They're talking about main roster stories on NXT, which makes me nervous, right? So they're talking yeah, they, about... Yeah, they keep mentioning the Ed Rollins right, storyline. Asking uh, Beth about it. It's really annoying. Like, I just don't see the point. It's because I don't know what they're trying to do. And like, then they... Oh, yeah. I'm going to watch SmackDown now. Psh, no. And then they also acknowledge the departure of Hit Row uh, via the draft, right? So they're drafted to what? SmackDown? I don't know. Raw? Wherever they, they went. They're off NXT anyways. So Legato are sort of put in a tough spot here. They have to talk about Hit Row leaving NXT in the middle of this hot feud they've been having. So Escobar talks about the fact that Hit Row is gone and that they're basically doing it to avoid um, facing Legato any further. And they basically then take turns insulting the members of Hit Row before Escobar challenges Swerve for the North American Championship. And that was basically it. What did you think? Um... So I guess we're finally getting Swerve versus Escobar, but I don't really care anymore. So congratulations, guys. You, uh, It looked like you were going to book the match I wanted, and now by the time you get around to booking it, I don't care anymore. Because uh, they're about five months too late. Assuming Swerve can't pull double duty, it's all but assured he'll drop the right. title in his only defense. And he's held for, I guess now, it'd be like maybe like 100 days or something. Probably. Like, more than that. A ridiculous. Little bit. Uh, I don't... I. I literally can't fathom how they booked him so just miserably yeah. as champion. I think like in terms of what Legato are saying, it's the logical choice to make here. They they have to have some sort of reaction to these guys being gone. I guess. So they're going the route of like you're trying I to get away that, from us. I hate that one. It's taken this long to get this match. And two, it took the Hit Row going to the main roster to get this match. Yep. And so now you know who's going to win basically, right? I mean, pretty confident that uh, Escobar, I would think they would want the title on their brand. But... Um, because SmackDown is touring, right? So there's not like they're, he's going to be able to pull double duty, I don't think. So I get re Legato's reaction. They had to go with something, so they went with the classic heel, like, you're avoiding us. So I guess it's a simple way to explain away this lengthy feud that's basically just kind of disappearing into thin air, thin air, right? And then it's like, as an afterthought, they're booking this this championship match, basically. Right, so, that, which this should not be... This should have been, like... I don't. I can't believe this is, like, the last thing that so they're I, booking in this feud. I thought Escobar's delivery was fine, and it's basically, what else are they going to say, right? They have to say something about this happening, so I, I guess it was fine for what it was. We then get LA Knight taking on Odyssey Jones. 
And it starts out with Knight trying to avoid the much larger Odyssey Jones. Um, and then Knight lands a punch. It has no effect. And he gets thrown around the ring several times by Jones with Beals and other things, I think it was. So then Knight ha is resorted to drop-kicking Jones' knee to shift the momentum, which, of course, is a good heel tactic there. Knight takes a few more shortcuts and ends up controlling the action for a while with pretty basic offense. And then he tries to pick up Jones for a slam, but I think it was hurts his back basically and collapses. So we get a nice gut buster by Jones. And then Andre Chase shows up, right? He climbs onto the apron and Odyssey Jones sort of has to take the time to knock him to the floor. And in that time, uh, Knight ends up coming over, hitting a neckbreaker to Jones and picks up the pinfall, despite it being pretty obvious, I think, that Odyssey Jones' foot was under the ropes, right? Which should be a rope break. If I felt like the camera went out of their way to catch that. So what did you think of this... Uh, fairly quick match as is normal on NXT. Um, another meh match. Odyssey Jones has proven himself to be awful in the ring and LA Knight is only good with the right opponent, which Jones is clearly not. The screwy finish was awful as well and does not help my opinion in this match. Um, poor Andre Chase involved in this. So, so far, I'm not a fan of Odyssey Jones matches pretty much at all. I find it's double problematic he's, because he's limited on offense due to his inexperience and because they t i hate how they towed him as like this keith lee kind of guy and then he's just not and then i think on top of him not being experienced he's also really really big and inexperienced so his opponents can't really do that much to him right which also makes things worse because knight couldn't do a lot here he was had to resort not that he's like a technician or anything but he can hit some moves but when he's facing jones he had to keep it really basic right so Odyssey Jones may have potential, but currently his matches make me keenly aware, right, that I'm watching a developmental show. Like, you watch him and you're like, he has personality and he's really big. Uh, does and he, he really... have personality? He just shows I think he does. I don't know. I think um, it's basic. But it's clear that he can't really wrestle, right? So it's like, there wasn't much to this match, and it looks like we're going to get it again, right? Because I assume that's what the... He's going to be the old, I had my foot under the ropes and they're going to have to fight again. So we get it again, Yay, I guess. I don't know. Or he'll switch to Andre Chase, who will get beaten. So, yay? Question mark? So, Mackenzie Mitchell's backstage talking to Cameron Grimes. Grimes is a little jealous over all of the love going around NXT these days, specifically Cora Jade and Trey Baxter. Which I love how we're still talking about this, like, meaningless little thing. Yep. It's, it's fun. I uh, like it. As well as Indy Hartwell and Dexter Loomis. So now Grimes is on the hunt for love of his own, which makes oh, me awful that nervous. That just made me go... <laughs> Pete Dunn and Ridge Holland interrupt. Dunn says there's not a woman alive who would touch Cameron Grimes. Dunn says a lot is changing in NXT, but he's still the baddest man on the planet, and Holland threatens to teach Grimes a lesson tonight. Grimes basically isn't paying attention at all to these guys threatening him, because while they're talking, he sort of notices a couple women over across the way, so he walks over to them, asking if they're single. Your thoughts? Uh, I did not like this. This is lame. I don't mind the tease of a Grimes-Dunn match, though. Right. Um, That's the only, really positive takeaway from this i guess i'm happy to get the match as well and, and grimes is an awesome performer in this character but i'm not sure i like where the storyline is going right where he's going to be looking for love of his own sort of thing i don't have a lot of faith that the current nxt will handle it well um and in fact it's probably more likely that it's going to be insulting probably towards women at some point i'm guessing just looking at the way nxt is sort of going these days but i guess who knows right and I also hope that Dunn isn't just kind of drifting around the roster facing random opponents, right? He needs to be in stories. He needs to be near the top of the card, I would think. But who knows what's going to happen in this yeah, new version. Yeah, I'm real. I mean, this is a fine match, but it's obviously not leading anywhere. And I'm just, 
I'm really sad that this is done now, but at the same time, I don't want him at the top because this is garbage show, but <laughs> at the same time, he should have been champion already, and also, why the hell did he resign? I'm actually like... His timing for resigning is not good. It's really sad. Uh, Champa's team then hits, he heads to the ring, but we get a commercial first, and then after the break, it's not back to Champa right away, we get Kyle O'Reilly approaching Von Wagner in the locker room, <sighs> asking why Wagner helped him out now two weeks in a row. Wagner says he saw an op- awkwardly says, I would say, says he saw an Yeah, oppor- I, I don't think, I've, we, see, we see him speak of a little bit throughout the it's show. It's not great. And yeah, it's not great. So he saw an opportunity and jumped on it. He dislikes Pete Dunne and Ridge, Ridge Holland as much <gasps> as O'Reilly does. He dislikes Pete Dunne? How dare he? And he respects Kyle O'Reilly. O'Reilly says he's had a rough year and now he trusts no one, but he understands where Wagner is coming from. He also wants Wagner to let him handle his own business and stay out of his way. Kyle O'Reilly walks off. Your thoughts? I don't know. I didn't love this. I don't think Wagner speaks very good. I still don't really understand what his character is. Uh, it was just so generic in the news, like, oh, I don't like them, and I respect you, so I'm going to help you. And then O'Reilly rejected him, so that, it clearly had no point. It's just like, it's one of those lame babyface on babyface segments, which, they're as bad at these as they are building a competent babyface. But remember, Kyle O'Reilly doesn't care about anything anymore. That's his new character or whatever. Anyways. I don't know, it just didn't really no. make sense or gel. I don't know, it just wasn't good. I don't think Wagner sounds good, and this pairing to me feels kind of random, right? But that's what you're going to get during this reboot, right? You're getting in a veteran paired up with a rookie in some way, shape, or form. So this is what you get, and I don't know. I don't really care too much, <laughs> to be honest, but yeah, I it's unfortunate. Uh, so we do get to Champa in the ring now, and he says he wants to get straight to the point. He announces that Halloween Havoc is returning on October 26th, and he needs an opponent. He talks about how actions mean Who everything could it be? in this new world of NXT. He knows the roster is full of hungry competitors now. He mentions how one man claims he's not a patient man, and he wants to be the flag bearer of NXT, which is fine and dandy to Champa. He asks who has balls big enough to come and try to take his title, and the music interrupts and out comes Braun Breaker, obviously. He says he's treated Champa with nothing but respect since the day he walked in the door. I thought he was funny, because he's basically just yelled at everyone since coming here, like, so I... I don't really see that. <laughs> but he doesn't care how long he's been here. He wants to be NXT champion. Breaker heard Champa say he wants to fight someone with balls, and Breaker has the biggest balls in the locker room. Breaker says the match he wants and the fans it's the match he wants and the fans want is Breaker versus Champa for the NXT title at Halloween Havoc. Champa says the difference between them is Breaker wants the title while Champa needs it. To Breaker, the title is just a stepping stone to something bigger and better, and to Champa, it is something bigger. It is something better. Champa says Breaker has three weeks to go from an intern to a PhD. Champa says the challenge is accepted, and then Breaker gets sort of all excited here as the fans um, are yelling at Champa. Sorry. Champa exits the ring. Yelling at Champa like Braun Breaker? Sorry, they were sort of barking, I think, (laughs) actually, at Breaker. He bumps into Breaker on the way by. Breaker looks on from the ring as Champa raises the NXT title on the ramp. Go ahead. Uh, Spew your venom. I have no desire for this match uh, whatsoever. Braun Breaker's not that good. His character has no depth uh, because I have no idea what it is. He has the same wrestling capabilities as Goldberg, Prime or not. And we all know wrestling is not Goldberg's strength. Um, and he is NXT 2.0, and they want me to like him, which I refuse because um, I hate the show. 
Um, I don't really want Champ as Champ either, but at least I kind of know him. At least I know he's reliable. I really wish he was going back to the, the heel gimmick, but I guess not. This segment wasn't necessarily bad, but I, I, it was short. I, it just doesn't interest me whatsoever. Yeah, I thought this was pretty good, actually. I'm, I'm fine with it. I I just have to accept Champa's sudden character shift, right, as part of the reboot. He's now the babyface take on all challengers, kind of, which is a sudden departure, but I just have to accept it, I guess. I think Breaker's totally fine in his role. Like, his character is, I'm the hungry rookie looking to make a name for himself, so I'm okay with it. I like Champa a few of his lines, right? The difference between Braun wanting the title and Champa needing it, and you've got to go from intern to PhD, I thought were a couple good lines. So I didn't really have an issue with this segment, especially compared to most things on an NXT currently. Mm -hmm. Then we get a backstage promo from Joe Gacy. He says, while social media crashed this week, one platform didn't, and that's the voice for an inclusive generation, NXT. He will use the ring as a safe space tonight as we gather in unity to prove that conflict can be resolved peacefully. And yes, there can be two winners. What'd you think of your first Gacy installment this evening? Uh, another meaningless promo full of nothing. Yeah, I thought the first half cause was just full of as many like woke buzzwords as possible. And, and I didn't love it. But I the second half I thought was better. I kind of like that he delusionally or whatever it is thinks that he can resolve things peacefully as a wrestler getting in a ring to fight somebody so that kind of makes me laugh a little bit it, it is kind of stupid because it, it it does feel ignorant towards these woke people but also just he knows what wrestling is right? right so it's interesting when we get to the match to see what you think um so yeah i, I don't know what to think of this guy honestly to be honest with the honestly to be honest nice turn of phrase there but at yeah, the first half where it's just buzzword 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 was a bit much but then i thought it got a little bit better so Indy Hartwell is walking with Persia Parati, I guess, or Parada. We're supposed to know her, remember her from things. I think she was at the bachelorette party, etc., etc. Anyways, they're talking about the honeymoon with Dexter Loomis. Indy says she put him down and um, he's too tired to be here. She mentions how they went through two packets and Persia asks about his quote-unquote size as they're walking along. They stop as they see like smoke or vapor coming out from under a door. They open the door and it's Tian Sha's Boa and Mei Ying in the room. Boa is, I think, bowing or something to Ying while she sits on her throne. And then Boa basically yells something at them and slams the door. Um, your thoughts on this little segment? Uh, fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine that this interaction leads to anything I want to see. But I guess I'll just wait because I... I don't even know what to think of this. I don't want to hear any of the way stuff. Yeah. And I've kind of lost interest even, in Tian Shaw, so... I still don't know who Indy Hartwell's friend is. Like, they are really bad at this. Like, for developmental, at least tell me about who you're developing. And they're just giving us, like, eight people a week, and it's kind of... They don't have a lot of time to tell us anything about anyone, it feels like. So we then get Joe Gacy in the ring, taking on Ikim and Jiro. They do shake hands to start... Gacy is then like trying to be encouraging to Jiro to try and get him to knock him down. Jiro hits a Hurricane Rana. Gacy wants to shake hands again. And then it's like he, I don't know if my interpretation, he kind of snaps, right? Hits a corner clothesline. Then it, he's starting to get aggressive, punches in a suplex. It feels like, um, just from the in-ring standpoint, almost like um, Funhouse Bray when he was wrestling. A running back elbow by Gacy. Yeah, that makes sense. Reverse DDT by Jiro to shift the momentum. We get his classic jacket punches and the fans love Jiro. Then a top rope head scissors by Jiro that looked pretty good. Gacy dodges some sort of move, hits a handspring lariat for the sudden win here. Um, then Gacy checks on Jiro, helps him up after, and gives him a hug, leaving Jiro kind of looking confused in the ring to end this. 
Um, I thought this was a fine enhancement match. I thought Jira looked pretty good. I'm I'm glad he got um a decent showing. I think he definitely could have and should have got gotten the win, but good for Gacy, I guess. Um, I think his theme's an actual song. Yeah, because I, I saw I them. Notice. They posted um uh they have these things on Instagram called Real and like if it's a real song you can use as the audio. Yeah. And um, uh, it'll show the song and they I saw a video of his um like him and with his theme and i think it's a real song I, it did kind of sound like one when i heard it so i don't remember um I, and the guy standing in the crowd i didn't know who was at first because i didn't recognize him but it is harland i believe yes there, yes as gacy was leaving there's a scary looking bald dude standing up staring at him in the crowd and gacy kind of acknowledges him right um mm-hmm. which i mean another debuting guy i guess yeah i think he so. looks way worse like he uh, he used to look like and i think he's being touted as the next brock lesnar and now he just looks like a weirdo right so this match it felt to me like gacy was doing his woke shtick until like the second handshake attempt and then it kind of seemed like he snatched snapped sort of an unleashed like basic aggressive offense with a, a little bit of flash included so he wins the match and then he quickly reverts back to the whole woke character again where he's helping the guy up and hugging him so if that's the formula i think it might actually work as like a mid-card heel right like he's trying to be have a safe space and he's tr- and then he gets frustrated and he just loses his mind and kills people and then he's fine again afterwards. So it's like, yeah, I, I don't mind it so far. Um, and I-, I think it was smart to put him in against somebody that the crowd at NXT loves, right? Like you're definitely going to come across as a heel beating on Jiro. So I thought Jiro looked good in defeat in a short match. And it was m- mostly just to add to Gacy's character, I think. But a decent little match. Back from the break. We get a casino-themed vignette with Duke Hudson, who is now apparently a poker player, um, a professional poker player. So it feels, again, like we're going back to everybody has to have one major definable, defining characteristic, right? You're a poker player. You're uh, you're woke. You're, you wear a jacket. Like, they have one thing that's kind of overdeveloped, and that's all we're going to get we're going to learn about basically with these people, it seems. So uh, Hudson talks about toying with your mind and ending things before it begins. I think he's comparing wrestling to poker here. All money is welcome because he's taking it all, whether it's in the ring or on the felt. Better luck next time is going to be his catchphrase, I guess. What did you think? So he's a poker player now and he has a casino question mark like right out of nowhere and random never mentioned in the how also many times we've seen him before four or five times. Is this, Nothing about is this it. In, uh, a stereo, an Australian stereotype? No, I don't think so. But uh, it w- fe- wouldn't put it past them. It does feel like decades ago where every wrestler had some sort of obvious gimmick. Right. And it feels like and I read you that tweet, right, that this is this show is marketed and targeted at young people. Yet the the demographic is plummeting. Right. So they're trying to appeal to young people, but the young people don't want it. And it really feels like it's old people like thinking they know what young people want to me as a borderline old person no, myself Vince, Vince, that's what it feels like Vince always thinks he knows what we want it's someone not young going like this is what these kids like these days right if they're all cool. about people being woke and gambling and whatever like he, he thinks this is like yeah, hip and cool how gambling is but i mean whatever I, it, they they know what's best that's right they'll tell us a thousand times and just ram it down our throats whether we want right. it or not like i'm sure i don't know it yet but i like braun breaker of course you do <laughs> and then you're gonna love this match which is virginia fairy versus oh, yes. cora jade 
But is nope, it? it's not. Yeah, I wrote Cora Jade versus Virginia Ferry. Never, never mind. It's not going to be Frankie Monet. <laughs> so Monet is there. She drags Ferry out of the ring, hits an implant buster or whatever she calls it, glam slam on the floor, and that apparently is another way to earn a match in NXT. Right, so you well, can don't just you know, like you way just, back when, you could just attack the champion. You can like, just brawl with people. It sets Samoa it up. Samoa Joe did that a couple years you ago. You can just walk out and ask for a title match, and you get it. You can also a- assault somebody who is about to have a match and take their spot. So these are all good things to learn, right? Of how the new NXT works. You know, I think I actually might become a wrestler. I was uh, hesitant, but now I can just I have a lot of power, I guess, as a pro wrestler. Absolutely. So. Maybe I will. So Monet is really aggressive here in control of this match early. She hits nice running double knees. Uh, Baxter is encouraging Jade from ringside because as we get told a million times an episode, they're involved with each other. We Which get a, I didn't know at all. We get a wicked stepsister by Monet, so maybe borrowing it from Lorray while Lorray's gone. <laughs> uh, Jade counters the glam slam into a roll-up for a very surprise win here. Go ahead. Okay, so not only did they change the match on the fly, not only did they give Monet all the offense, opposed to the new star who they're trying to build, and then Monet also lost via a cheap roll-up. Nobody looks good, and nobody benefits from this. Um, They would have been um better off with the planned match, like just a squash match for Cora Jade. Right. Like, honestly, I... I... It just... Like, it, <laughs> you I have no words. Like this. Yeah. I did not like the result of this, but whatever, it, I'll let that go. I actually thought, I mean, Monet may lose some matches. It feels like she might be on her way to main roster sooner than later, right? How does she really fit into this NXT? She doesn't. So maybe she's just putting people over for a bit and then she's gone. But anyways, I thought Monet actually looked a lot better here than she has at any point probably in NXT. She looked faster. She looked more aggressive. She had really good facial expressions, like really playing up the heel bit. So it was this weird, basically a squash for Monet, yet somehow she lost, right? <laughs> Which is an interesting um, decision to make. But I think this was more like the Monet that I want to see. So it's weird to say that she lost the match, but I think it it's my favorite performance from her so far. So, and again, the precedent that you can just drag someone out of the ring, beat on them and take their spot right. in the match yeah. seems dangerous to me, right? Like, why wouldn't every heel be doing that every match? But anyways... Uh, I just have R.I.P. any authority figure on this show, I guess. <laughs> Mainly poor old William Regal. Yep. No, that's so... He should have just quit. We're going to get segment. someone cool no, and hip Remember as the new when GM. he was going to retire? He should have just done that. Yeah. We're going to get... Watch here. We're going to get someone cool and hip, like some famous YouTuber or something is going to oh, be yes. my prediction for the no, next No, um, you know GM. how Cardi B had the song for um, yes. SummerSlam? It'll no. be Cardi B. <laughs> right. Yes. Because she was like, no, I don't want... To um, I don't want to host SummerSlam. I want to have a long-term power role. And they're no, like, they'll... oh, we don't care about NXT. You can take that. It'll be Bad Bunny because everyone loves him. Yes, it'll be Bad... Wait, no. It'll be something like it'll that. It'll be Bad Bunny. I think it'll that's probably my be prediction. Bad Bunny. Or it'll be um maybe like someone with his... Oh, Kid An Rock. It'll be Kid with Rock. close to a million followers or something like that. But we'll find out. Anyways, we get um, MSK backstage pacing around as Mackenzie Mitchell interviews them about the main event tonight. MSK say some stuff, and then the Grizzled Young Veterans interrupt. They kind of disagree with each other, and um, they're going to make the main event elimination style, we find out. So Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs show up, and they don't want to wait to have the match. A brawl breaks out, basically, as Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams also show up. 
Um, I don't know. I thought this was standard stuff, probably then better than hearing some of them talk, right? Like it yeah, was just. Yeah. Um. I guess this makes it more interesting, but not really. Right. Like it was just here. They all are fighting a few minutes before they actually fight. Uh, okay. Great. Yes. Uh, Mackenzie is then Fun. with the NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa in the back, asking about uh, facing Braun Breaker at Halloween Havoc. Champa says that the match will be special, and then Joe Gacy interrupts, brings up how Champa asked who has the biggest balls to take his title. Gacy says that was some specific toxic energy coming from Champa. Gacy goes on and says he realizes Champa must be feeling his strength from privilege as champion, but Gacy speaks from a voice struggling to be heard, and they speak through him. Gacy says he would love to be included in a title shot. Champa sees what Gacy's trying to do, and if he wants a title shot, he can beat Champa next week. He'll be added to the Halloween Havoc match. Champa promises that the ring will not be a safe space for Joe Gacy next week. Not for him. Champa walks off. Uh, Gacy is still lame. I don't think Hero Braun Breaker are NXT title material, but what do I know? Oh, he's not, but again, he I don't think he's getting past Champa. I'd be surprised. But I, I kind of like this. Is that wrong? I, Gacy might make this character work for me. It's kind of like, is he sincere and trying to be this character and he just snaps? Or is he doing it to be manipulative? You know what I mean? And just the way he kind of phrased things, right? Like the just wants to be included in the match and that he speaks and talking about Champa's his privilege as champion and stuff, right? So again, it's more of these sort of buzzwords. But I found this a little more... Um, not a little more subtle and a little more entertaining, I guess. So it's also a fast way to get Champa a TV match against someone with experience. Because if he's going to face someone here, at least Gacy knows how to wrestle, right? Like he's not um, a transplant from another sport just learning. He's been on the indies for a while. So the match might be okay, actually. Um, we get Cameron Grimes facing Pete Dunn here in a match that should be pretty terrific. Uh, holds encounters until Dunn gets Grimes' arm and keeps it for a little while. We get a nice hurricane run by Grimes, and now he gets a hold of Dunn's left arm. Big clothesline by Dunn. Lots of rope running. Stops Grimes. Uh, Dunn goes back to the left arm for a little bit, including some finger snapping on the right hand as he's in control of the left arm. We get a baseball drop kick to the back of Grimes' head. Grimes then with a flurry after Dunn misses a corner kick. Cross body off the top by Grimes for a near fall. Nice running kick by Dunn, a German suplex, and another kick to the head for a near fall. Backflip into a German by Cameron Grimes that looked pretty nice. And then Holland's there. He's about to hit Grimes with his truncheon, but Kyle O'Reilly runs out to stop him. Grimes goes for a cave-in, but Dunn's counters by launching him over his head and kind of lands across the top Yeah, I, I was really happy because I thought that was going to be the end right there, the cave-in. And I thought that looked good. And then right from there, it's a pretty nice-looking bitter end, and Pete Dunn picks up the clean victory here. What did you think? Oh, and then Dunn and Holland destroy Kyle O'Reilly in the ring after the match, obviously. Um, I thought it was a pretty good match, but again, it was kind of hindered by uh, somewhat of a screwy finish. Um, I am happy, I guess, that Dunn won, though, and the aftermath was just... Yeah. Nah. Uh, I wish it gotten more time because I feel like even the matches I want to see, I'm getting like two thirds of what I would have gotten in no, previous times. No, no one times. can actually realize their potential here. So nonetheless, I enjoyed it while it lasted. Grimes got to showcase his athleticism more than he sometimes does. Like this guy can pretty much do anything in the ring, right? The finish coming off interference is kind of annoying, but it's not really surprising at this point. And I thought for NXT 2.0, this was a good TV match, right? I mean, the bar is not high, as you would say. But I enjoyed this. Um, it's just too bad it doesn't really matter much. Like, I don't know what either of these guys are doing right now. So it was just kind of a decent match between a couple of veterans in the middle of the show, right? Yeah. 
Then we get a very short Tony D'Angelo promo um, ahead of his debut that's coming later tonight. So it almost seems like he's putting on the accent even more this week. Like he's leaning into the stereotype even more. So I'm at this point in the show thinking that this may have already moved into parody, right? Like I feel like at first they were trying to pass it off as serious and maybe due to people's reactions and like just the general what people have been saying about this, it now feels like they're kind of moving into like he's a comedy character. And I think that's sort of reinforced later in this show, right? That it's a parody now, basically. And I don't know if it was when it started. I think it is. I would hope so. We'll talk about it. So we get a hit row promo. They're sort of responding to Legato, accusing them of sort of ducking them at this point. They say they weren't running from Legato. They were running towards money, which I think is a pretty good line. They put down Legato sort of replying to their insults from earlier. And then basically Swerve ends up accepting Escobar's challenge for a match. What did you think of their segment? Uh, fine promo, didn't, like, I guess it confirms the match, but yay, I guess. Again, they're, like, put, they were cool here, I thought, and their response about chasing money makes sense, right? Because they also have to say something here. Um, I'm they're not sa- like, we're going to big leads, sayonara, loser. And I'm sad to see Losers. them go, I just hope that the North American title match, because that could be awesome, right? So I hope it lives up to the potential. But I don't trust them for a second. But considering Hit Rogue, neither do I. Considering Hit Row and Legato got kind of put in a tough spot here, I think their promos on this show make sense. Were they amazing? Probably not, but they had to say something, and what they said is logical, I think. Yeah. We then get Malik Blade taking on Tony D'Angelo in his NXT debut here. So the crowd is chanting for Tony right away. I, it feels like they're in on the joke now. Honestly, I think that's what we're going for here. Anyways. We get a long headlock to start by D'Angelo, then a shoulder tackle and another lengthy headlock, then a gut buster by D'Angelo, we get a drop kick by Blade, a takedown by D'Angelo, a lengthy waist lock now by D'Angelo, and then some basic stuff and he finally hits a move which was a belly to belly, then a northern lights into a fisherman's neckbreaker for the win for uh, Tony D'Angelo in his debut. What did you think? Uh, D'Angelo's theme is awful, so is his ring gear. Um, this was lame. Went way too slow. D'Angelo's did like a bunch of rest holds and a couple of suplexes. Um, he didn't look good here and his character sucks. Yeah, this was a very boring, very long like, squash match. Like, good job match. making the new guy look good. It's like they dragged the squash match out. I thought Malik Blade almost looked better. So, D'Angelo looked like he couldn't do anything other than the most basic stuff until his finishing combination that looked pretty good, I thought. One I belly thought to belly cool. and a finishing combo. The first three quarters to 80% of it were not, almost nothing going on. So little action. His character work now feels more like Santino Morella, Santino Morella to me, right? Like he's going the comedy angle. So, I think we're supposed to laugh at him is what I'm getting out of this now. And I think the crowd's in on it now. But anyways, we'll see. And I'm not I, sure. I could see those possibilities. And I'm not sure that that was the intention when it started. But it's like, oh man, people hate this and think it's ridiculous. So we're going to lean into it being a joke now. Could be wrong. Maybe it was always supposed to be a joke. But you know me, I don't want to give WWE much credit at this point. So I'm skeptical. Uh, Mackenzie Mitchell's backstage talking to Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams now. They're hyped up for tonight's main event. Um... They tell us we're, oh, I think it's Hayes says he's going to be the champ champ. We're looking at the champ champ because he's going to win the tag team titles tonight and then he can use his contract for another title later. And they hit us with their their about about it line and that's how it's going to be. What did you think? Um, Like, what's the point to any of this? That's a great way to sum it up. It's short and painless, but what, I don't, 
But it's just... And Hayes is fine on the mic, right? That's not an issue. I don't think he should be a heel. I mean, I thought he was going to be a heel, but I think he's been fine as babyface. And then Trick Williams comes in, and then everything goes to crap. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But anyways, this it was short. At least that's the plus side. We get Mei Ying now uh, with Boa taking on Indy Hartwell with Persia Parada along with her. So we get a judo flip and a stiff kick to Indy's midsection. And then Mei, uh, Mei Ying is in control with kicks and a nerve hold. Ying takes off, um, sorry, takes Indy's offense, hits a ripcord forearm and the Tongan death grip. But Indy kind of falls to the ropes through through the ropes to the floor. Once on the floor, Persia starts to get involved, but she gets run into the ring post and takes actually a pretty nice running kick from Mei Ying. So Indy takes advantage of Ying losing her focus here. Hartwell hits her top rope elbow onto the back of Ying's neck and picks up the win. Another quick match, what'd you think? Mei Ying is tiny, eh? This was lame as a match. It makes no sense why Mei Ying would have lost, but this show makes no sense anymore anyway, so like... Like, like, I on I like she's supposed to be this like all powerful right, supernatural right. soulless being, and she just lost to Indy Hartwell. Yep. So this by one of my I'm notes confused. is so this thousand year old warrior warrior loses to a top rope elbow drop just like regular mortals, right? <laughs> so where do you possibly go with Mei Ying now? I don't. She just lost to a mid Carter, right? Clean basically. So. I thought Ying's kicks and strikes look pretty good, actually, some of them, but she doesn't do anything else, right? There's no other wrestling involved here, I didn't think. And again, like, I don't know where you possibly go. If you look back at the vignettes and things where they built Mei Ying up, she was looked like she would have to be completely unbeatable forever. And now she's losing a short match to a mid-carder. So I don't know what they're doing yeah, here. Yeah, and, like, the elbow drop's cool and all because she's kind of tall, but, like... It's not the best move to lose to. No. As far as finishing moves go. Right. So, anyways, we, that was that. We then move on to Lash Legend. <sighs> She's oh, backstage. I hate her. With She's some people. Awful. She tells us lashing out will return next week, and she's gonna spill some hot tea that will make the controversial Urban Meyer story look like nothing, which is referring to a football coach and a mystery woman or something. I'm not really up on it, to be honest. Tony D'Angelo then walks up, says she should have him on her show next week if she wants to get some real eyeballs on it. Uh, No. She seems to consider it briefly. He walks off, and she says she loved Tony in the new Sopranos movie. Lash tells her friends that that lashing out was so good joke. last week that it shut down the internet. Timely reference, timely reference that twice on this show. That is a timely reference because um, Instagram was down for a while. I was like, I thought my Wi-Fi was up. And, I was and just Facebook, like, oh, I think, too. Yeah, it's it all like, because Instagram is owned by Facebook right. now, so it's all the Facebook affiliates. And Oculus <laughs> would have been down. Oh, that's, I didn't even test. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, that is a timely reference. Uh, this is bad. No, I don't like Last no, Legend. I... And uh, bad. I did not have, I didn't like any part of this. Way too much Tony D'Angelo tonight, and I don't have any interest in Lash so far or anything she's doing. What a surprise. This show is not great. <sighs> we get a vignette about Diamond Mine where Bivens briefly highlights each member of the group. He says that Hachiman teaches the others how to be special and sort of mentions his credentials briefly. Ivy Nile is half human, half pitbull, and has the green light to knock out every single woman in NXT. And that her, they talk about her Titan Games history a little bit here. And now that she's training with Diamond Mind, she's better than ever. Roderick Strong gets a chance to speak briefly. Basically says the group has taken him to new heights, uh, etc. And that was about it. What did you think of this little 
Um, I I kind of like this. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, it just sucks that they didn't do this when Taylor Ross was in the group. Like, what? Where was this earlier? That's what I'm saying. Yes. Right? I mean, not just because Taylor Ross was there, but also would have been helpful. Yeah, I thought this was good too, and it's let Biven speak for all of them. He does a good job, and it further introduces their new members. So I like this, and I think this is kind of the thing things they need to do is give us a little bit of help here trying to figure out who some of these people are we go back to the ring samantha Irwin is interviewing raquel gonzalez the nxt women's champion um the interviewer talks about the world buzzing about toxic attraction and asks about last week's beatdown that they laid on gonzalez Gonzalez says that she's received the message. She asked Mandy Rose if they know who they attacked. Gonzalez says toxic attraction has been in the headlines for a few weeks, but she's been dominating the women's division for a year. She goes on to about how she will take care of Mandy Rose and put her in a body cast if she touches her title again. Yes. Gonzalez goes to address Gigi Dolan and JC Jane next, but the music interrupts and out come toxic attraction. Rose tells Gonzalez to stop. She used to admire the strength, tenacity, and everything else about Gonzalez, but now she's just coming off desperate. So the fans start to give Mandy Rose the what treatment. I'm really disappointed to see this chant back. No, I just she saw it on it. saw it on Impact as well. It's kind of annoying. Rose says Gonzalez is coming off as someone who knows their title reign is coming to an end. That toxic attraction is taking over, and there's nothing Gonzalez can do about it. Dolan gets to speak next. And she talks about them all being championship material, and Gonzalez can't help but stare at them in awe. Gonzalez says she can't help but stare at the six staples in Dolan's head from when she bashed her with the title. Dolan wants to fight right then and there. She goes to ringside and then the other side of the ring. Jane speaks next, sort of taunts Gonzalez some more. Jane goes on about how they're all over WWE, the new faces of NXT 2.0, and soon they will hold all the women's gold in NXT. Jane says they're not just toxic attraction, they're the attraction. They surround no. the ring again, and Rose says it's time to have some fun. What could possibly happen? So they go to attack Gonzalez, but guess what? Out come NXT Women's Tag Team Champions Io Shirai and Zoe Stark. They storm the ring, stand with Gonzalez. The two sides sort of yell at each other, but Toxic Attraction eventually jumps down from the apron and backs away as the fans boo. What did you think? Uh, no. Uh, this whole segment sucked pretty bad. Um, Raquel's promo was fine, but I think Toxic Attraction, um, uh, really suck. Like, um, they do live up to the name because they're truly toxicity on this awful show. Their promos suck and they can't really wrestle. I don't want a trios match of this, but that's what'll happen. Do you like NXT, can I ask? <laughs> it's clear that um, you do. Uh, no. The things I notice is the crowd doesn't want to hear Toxic Attraction either, and I don't feel like it's heel heat. I feel like it's go away and stop taking up time heat. Um, so Mandy was fine, I thought. She tried to battle through the what thing chance okay, but the other two didn't sound good to me. They spoke for too long, but I imagine Vince or whoever is back there loving this act and wants to get them as much experience as he can Right, so NXT 2.0 right now really feels like it's about Braun Breaker and Toxic Attraction, right? And maybe Von Wagner if you want to throw in another person. And mm -hmm. that's basically what we're really focused on right now. Yeah. Uh, so Kyle O'Reilly's backstage. He's got ice on his shoulder. Von Wagner comes in again, says that next week they'll team up to face Pete Dunne at Ridge Holland. Wagner says Kyle can like it or not, but he's the only person to have Kyle's back in NXT. And then he walks off. 
You got more Von Wagner. What'd you think of it? No, I don't like him. And I hated his promo last week when he said, like, oh, I'm unconventional. Yeah, big, strong guy, super unconventional in WWE. Uh, yeah. Very rare. And he's just so bland. Like, he offers me nothing. His delivery, I don't think, is very Kyle good. Kyle O'Reilly isn't exactly oozing no. character either. No. So, like, what a great combo, guys. That's pretty much what I have. I said that Wagner's delivery is not good. He doesn't sound believable no matter what he's saying. And that Kyle O'Reilly, no offense, love him as a good Canadian boy, but he's not exactly the greatest guy to learn promo tips from, right? <laughs> um, so I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's who just you all a bunch of stuff that doesn't really matter, it feels like so far. Anyways. Yeah, but what's new? We get the NXT Women's Champion Raquel Gonzalez is now backstage with the Women's Tag Team Champions as well. So Io and Zoe Stark. There's some tension sort of between the three, but Stark tries to get them on the same page because they got to be unified to take on Toxic Attraction, obviously. So Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada, because we got to get as many people in every segment as possible. So they now walk up and taunt Io Shirai and Zoe Stark. Gonzalez walks off she, and saying she'll let Io and Zoe handle this. Uh, Indy and Persia have words with Shirai and Stark, say that the only gold Indy will be wearing is on her finger. I think that was Io that said that to her. Indy says that we'll see about that, and the champs sort of walk off. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's yep. just so great. I Here's all the tag so teams much. together for the men. Here's yeah. all the tag teams together for the women. Here, You know what I mean? Like, okay. So I guess this was fine. People want the tag team titles, and that makes sense. And I thought EO was kind of funny here a little bit. So that's the silver lining. Yeah. We get the main event, right? Is that the main event? Yes. It's the four-way elimination match for the NXT Tag Team titles. It's Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs taking on the Grizzled Young Veterans, taking on Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, taking on the champions in MSK. So to start out, MSK double-team Gibson uh, to take control of the match. Gibson has to beg off and sort of drops back to a corner and Carmelo Hayes tags himself in. Drop kick and a springboard clothesline by Hayes. Double team moves by Williams and Hayes before Brooks tags himself in. Williams then with a stiff strike and a leaping clothesline. Briggs and Jensen with double team. Oh yeah, one point Wade Barrett made a really good point on commentary for once in his life. Uh, Briggs and Jensen have done nothing in NXT. Yeah, he points um, out that what have they same done Same thing can be this. said for Trick and Hayes, which I thought that was really funny because not only did he actually say something I agree with, but... Like, he's, that's also discrediting, like, some of the guys they're supposed yes, to be Yes, he's not wrong. Uh, Brooks and Jensen take out all the heels, tag out to allow MSK to hit some of their flipping offense. MSK eliminate Williams and Hayes with their, what is it, uh, blockbuster, spinebuster finisher. They hit it to Williams to eliminate them. So the Grizzled Young Veterans then are taking control of Lee. They hit a missile dropkick into a flatliner. That's pretty cool. They isolate Lee until he makes the tag to Carter, who takes out both... Um, of the Grizzled Young Veterans briefly. We get a German suplex high knee penalty kick and a moonsault by Carter onto Drake. Gibson pulls Drake to the floor and Carter hits a moonsault onto both of them. Briggs blind tags Carter just before the Grizzled Young Veterans hit the ticket to Mayhem. So Gibson's not pinning the right man because he's not aware of the tag. So then they hit a chokeslam powerbomb combo and pin Gibson to eliminate the Grizzled Young Veterans. Yeah. So we're left with what the baby faces left here. Yeah, Trick here. and Hayes were out really early. Yep. So we get a running boot. There was not a lot of time for this match. I noticed when it started, there wasn't a ton of the show left. Surprise, surprise. Running boot, Russian leg sweep combo by Briggs and Jensen for two that I thought looked pretty good. A tandem sky high by Briggs and Jensen. Then they go for their power bomb chokeslam combo on Lee. 
but Carter takes out Briggs and Lee counters the powerbomb into a roll-up to pick up the win and retain their titles. They shake hands afterwards. MSK hold the titles high before being attacked by Imperium out of nowhere. So Jensen and Briggs eventually come back. I feel like they could have come back a little bit faster, right? They kind of let MSK get right. beat on for a minute. I don't know if that's anything, yeah. but they do come back yeah, to make the Yeah, they do kind of stall. Right. What did you think of the main event? Uh, the match was fine, but nothing that great. Uh, the two new teams who have done nothing and still have done nothing because um, Williams and Hayes were gone way too early and Briggs and Jensen got in one lucky elimination and lost to a sudden pin. Um, I guess Imperium will be set up as the next challengers, but that's not ex- exactly exciting. I guess, like, on the plus side, there's clearly a tag team division now, right? I guess so, but... It's just full of a lot of inexperienced yes. people, but... Again, I felt like we got, like, two-thirds of a pretty good main event, you know what I mean? That it needed a bit more time... I would have probably had it come down to MSK Grizzled Young Veterans because we ended up with Babyface, Babyface at the end. But again, are are the, um, Briggs and Jensen teasing something here by kind of... I don't know if that was intentional that they took a little bit of time to come back, but I felt like it might have been... I don't know, there was some good action in this match. I think it was like for NXT 2.0, right? Like it wasn't a bad main event. It wasn't anything fantastic. I, I feel like it four tag teams in a match needs a little more time than this. But I didn't think it was bad, but definitely was an amazing main event either. Um, show thoughts and agreed? Um, not, not, not a great show again. I didn't love the um, Mandy Ember Moon match. None of the other matches were that great. Like, I think, again, the matches are so short. Like, even matches like Grimes and Dunn just fall short right. of what you expect. All the promos were, stu- like, stupid. Um, I did not enjoy, like, any of them, really. Um... I don't know. I guess I like the Diamond Mine segment. The main event wasn't necessarily bad, but other than that, nothing great. So I guess I'll give it a D minus again. Like, I well, know. yeah. I, I, I don't like the show. It's not a good show. In ring, we got a bunch of really quick matches again. Even the Dunn Grimes and the four way tag seemed like shorter versions of good matches that could have occurred on like previous versions of this show and we would have really enjoyed. It's like we got two thirds of a couple really good matches and then a bunch along the way like developmental matches basically so i wasn't impressed with d'angelo's debut at all the fans seem to be in on the joke with his character now that seems to have moved into comedy but it still i don't think works for me segment wise i'm kind of nervous about where grimes is going with his looking for love story but he did a good job hit row and legato were put in a tough spot when hit row is gone all of a sudden so i think they did a good enough job of trying to make it work Von Wagner wasn't great in a couple speaking roles. Toxic Attraction weren't great and seemed to lose the crowd again this week. I think that's kind of twice in a row. Champa did a good job, but I don't like him in his current role. And some of Gacy's stuff was okay, and some of it I don't think was. Indian Persia, I mean, it was a Way-style segment, so I'm not going to enjoy it. And then I thought Bivens and Diamond Mine had a good vignette. It might have been the best one on the show. Um, so another show I didn't enjoy either. I think that's a given at NXT at this point, and that is really upsetting to say, but I don't see much potential for me to be given any like high Bs or As to this show unless things drastically improve. Yes. Not one thing really of note this week, not one thing I was excited to talk about from this show this week. I'm going to give it a D+, which is, for me, really a not good show. Like, There's no reason for anyone to go see this show, I don't think, right? Like, Not one thing. The main event was fine. Um, and Dunn and Grimes was fine, but nothing I'd say, hey, if you got time in your week, you should go check this out. No, you don't need yeah. to. Um, so yeah, not a good show overall for what the fourth streak we, I think at this point. But anyways, let's move on and talk about some trivia in a little segment we like to call Off the Top of His Head. Yeah. 
Okay, so I'm back to the pop quiz trivia deck provided by WWE. So let's see what they know. We'll do maybe four, four cards. That'll give us 20 questions, I think. So, you ready? You'd usually do well on these. Who won the WWE Championship by winning the Royal Rumble match in 1992? Ric Flair. Very easy to start. Who was the first WWE superstar to win the WWE Championship at a Royal Rumble event? That's a tough one. I would not know that. Sergeant Slaughter? Wow. Why do you know that? I don't know. I just, I th <laughs> it had to be old, but like yes. mo the first few Rumbles, it would have been Hogan as champion. Right. So, and he only like lost not there. So then I know Sergeant Slaughter won it because he was good. in the Iraqi sympathizer phase. I, right. I did not think you'd know that one. Mick Foley ordered Chris Jericho to be held in what at the 2017 Royal Rumble? Shark Cage. Correct. Andre the Giant was Always a, a storyline was afraid of what? Snake. Correct. With that nice feud with Jake the Snake, right? Roman Reigns is the son of which former WWE Tag Team Champion? Hmm. Is it Sika? Correct. Okay. I can't never remember which one it is, so I was playing 50-50 there. Who defeated Becky Lynch in her Royal Rumble debut to retain the Divas Championship in 2016? Charlotte. Well, well, yeah, just play the odds, right? If you're not sure. No, she was champion then. And it's about a women's <laughs> Divas championship, championship. Just take Charlotte. <laughs> Who was, the, championship. who was the first man to re to challenge, sorry, for the WWE Championship at WrestleMania? King cool. Kong Bundy. Correct. That was the first thing I remember seeing, right? Big event I remember seeing wrestling-wise. First Mania I saw for sure. Who currently holds the record for competing in the most WrestleMania matches in one night? Randy Savage. Correct. Why don't you get something wrong at Mania this point? tournament. Yes. Baby. What was the first match in WrestleMania history to end on a time limit draw? Ooh, that's a good question. Was it Michaels and Hart? It was not. Oh. It would be before that, I believe. A heel I really loved who never had the belt. Oh. One of my favorite, like, mid upper, upper mid card that's heels. Mr. Perfect and someone. Close, but no. Roddy Piper no. and someone. Rick Rude and Jake the Snake. Oh. That was a really good feud, actually. Where Rick Rude put Cheryl on his tights, like, um, oh, yeah, 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 he had the coolest tights. Which is the only WrestleMania to take place on a Monday? Oh, ah, uh, uh, WrestleMania 20. No, WrestleMania 19. WrestleMania, no, WrestleMania 2. Uh, damn me, WrestleMania 2. Right? Who was the first music group to perform at a WrestleMania? It's a good question. DX Band. Sorry? No. Run DMC. I don't think you're going to get that one. Oh. Which WWE no, no, superstar... Oh, no, I know who that is. I know them a little bit. ...competed in his first Money in the Bank ladder match at 57 years old? Uh, Ric Flair? Correct, actually. I don't know any old, other old person. No, well, I couldn't think of one either. Go in that. <laughs> and I think we reviewed that a little while ago, I think, before Money in the Bank. Yep. I, I remember watching that a little while ago. I do, too. So <laughs> I, that's the only way I could... And he uh, took some CFO. decent bumps in that, if I remember yeah, he correctly. Yeah, he wasn't like a lazy old man in that era. Who who turned on Shane McMahon at Hell in a Cell 2017? Sami Zayn. Correct. Wow, I did not remember that. Who hosted the first episode of Primetime Wrestling? Good luck. Bobby Heenan? No. Oh, just Bon Ventura. Yes, that's one. And then a guy I don't even... Jack Reynolds. I don't even know who that Who's is. That? But you got Jesse Ventura. I'll give it to you. Who challenged Hulk Hogan for the WWE Championship on the first Saturday night's main event? Andre the Giant? Nope. Oh, I know they did, but... um. Uh, oh, Roddy Piper? Nope. Think of someone with a cast on his arm. 
Bob Orton. Correct. Too big of a hint. What was the main event of the first ever episode of Raw? Oh, uh... What? If you know this, that's going to be a why do you know that moment It's Undertaker and Damien Demento. It is Undertaker and Damien Demento. Because I know... I was thinking, like, um, a big, um, a match... (laughs) Um, Big but, match, Damien Demento, no, huge. B- but because the reason they did this is because back in the day they would put the big matches first, cause kids, right? Because right, so, kids, yes. Yeah. Um. They. I. I actually didn't know that until like I saw it in a video a while, a while ago. Who admitted to being the mystery? Sorry, mis- mystery man who attacked Enzo Amore numerous times backstage in 2017. Large Cassidy. Correct. Who was the author of the list? Wow, that's oh, uh, Christopher Jericho. Correct. Seth Rollins defeated John Cena for which WWE Championship at SummerSlam 2015? Sorry, repeat the question. Seth Rollins defeated John Cena for which championship? SummerSlam 2015. U.S. title. Correct. Defending the WWE title. Uh, one thanks to John Stewart of all people. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Who was the first member of the Heenan family? Ken Patera? No. Oh, I know I'm close. Nick Bockwinkle. No. Um, Who is he feuded with Andre? He was considered another. Big John Stone. Correct. Large gonna, Jonathan Stone. I was going to say a big man, but he was nowhere near as big as Andre, that's for sure. How much money was on the line for the Andre the Giant versus Big John Stud body slam challenge at WrestleMania 1? It was for money, do you remember? And didn't Andre win it and like throw the money into the crowd? Yes. Yes. So who did he. How, what was the prize? $15,000. Yes, very good. And they good. were threatening to shave him. Right. Uh, which Price is Right host competed in the 2001 Royal Rumble? Oh, Drew Carey. Correct. Which former world champion was the first person to guest host Raw? Uh, I, uh, um, mm. Now does movies. Batista. Correct. Didn't go with Rock, eh? Nice. <laughs> Who defeated John Cena in a first blood match on Raw in 2006? Edge? No. I thought this might be one you'd pull out. I don't know it. 2006, uh, Cena and somebody in a first blood. Triple H. Nope. Shawn Michaels. Retired person now. Ric Flair. Nope. Mick Foley. Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle. <laughs> Which... Unlikely WWE superstar defeated then WWE World Champion AJ Styles on SmackDown Live thanks to some help from Dean Ambrose. James Ellsworth. Correct. All right. We'll ah, do... yes, great superstar that is. Which WWE superstar has never, sorry, was never eliminated in the 2015 Royal Rumble? True. He kept uh, bringing Curtis it up. Axel. Correct. Yeah. Who defeated Bad News Barrett on SmackDown to qualify for the 2015 Royal Rumble? I do not remember Bad News Barrett coming back. Sorry? Neville? No. Curtis Axel? (laughs) No. Dolph Ziggler. Which two WWE superstars formed the Meta Powers? Uh, Macho Mandow and Axel Mania. Sorry, so who's that? Curtis Axel and Damon Sandow. Correct. Who eliminated Kane at WrestleMania 32 and won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal in his main roster debut? Baron Corbin. Correct. Final match. Baron Corbin defeated Kalisto in what kind of match at TLC 2016? Chairs. chairs. Our favorite match type. Okay. The ever popular chairs match. Yes, sir. Excellent work. You crushed that 
segment of off the top of his head. Yeah, are you sad? I am sad a little bit. And now <laughs> we'll go back to talking about some wrestling that we actually enjoyed, which is always refreshing. Then that is to talk about this week's AEW Dynamite. And this is the two-year anniversary of Dynamite. Seems so. really fast to me. Yeah. Does it feel like two years to you? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, they've done a bunch, so I don't know. It's, it's hard to it's say. It's flown by for sure. And yeah. God, I'm so thankful because it's really the only wrestling left that I really look forward to every week. It used yeah. to be I was looking forward to four hours every week. Now it's two, right? So my anticipation is cut in half. So thankfully they keep delivering. But anyways, go ahead. Yeah. And we open the show with an eight-man tag between the Super Elite, which is Omega Cole and, of course, the Young Bucks, uh, versus Danielson, uh, Christian Cage, and uh, Jurassic Express. Uh, the entrances were done before the show on an Instagram Live. Yeah, I didn't love that. Yeah. I kind of like seeing the entrances for, especially matches that I want to see like especially this one. So it was weird to see these mega stars like already in the ring for us, right? I thought that was a bit strange. It's not well, at my least favorite. They're all already in the ring. Right. It's not like one side got like, an intro. Yes. Right. Like uh, the only the heels are only the right. baby faces. But I would have preferred the entrances. But it's a packed show. I guess they had to save some time. Yeah, um, or they, they could have cut out something, but I don't Probably, know. I could definitely recommend something they could have cut shorter <laughs> later yes. on, yep. Um, an action-packed and frenzied multi-man tag, this was. For um, sure. Notables, um, Nick and Jungle Boy go back and forth early on, which, that's nice. It looked great. They looked, that was my first note. Yeah, was, that's a great combination, right? They looked great together, and Jungle Boy, man, the kid just looks good with everybody, right? So, that's why he's one of the pillars, I guess, going forward of this yeah, company. Sure. I don't disagree. Um, an arm drag and a drop kick by Jungle Boy, a corner chop by Jungle Boy on Adam Cole, uh, Cage and Jungle Boy hit double-team moves on Cole, Inverted DDT to Cole and a flapjack to Matt Jackson by Cage. Uh, chops and kicks to Matt by Brian Danielson. Luchasaurus assisted corner drop kick by Brian Fall by an overhand chop by Luchasaurus. Uh, the baby faces hit a corner barrage to Matt like they all take turns hitting corner yep. moves. Uh, Jurassic Express follow uh, with a kick uh, full Nelson face buster combo for two. Yep. That was kind of cool. It was cool. Um, the Bucks and Indy take her to Cage on the outside after cheap shot by Cutler and he is gone. Yeah, he Woo! is out as yeah. we don't see him again for the rest of this match, right? Yeah, um, so that was actually nice. It's like they know what I wanted. <laughs> um, and then Matt superkicks Jungle Boy and poor Marco Stunt, who we were checking on Christian, so that, I thought that was pretty funny. Right. Um, corner high of knee by Nick. Uh, Cole locks into camel clutches, the Bucks run ropes, and then they do the double cheek kiss thing. Um, they didn't do like the cartwheel oh, dropkick after. The crowd but... loved that. Holy it's cow. It's funny. Yeah. Um, Omega goes for a snapdragon, but Jungle Boy avoids it and hits a rebound lariat. Uh, Jungle Boy counters a double suplex from the box to hit a double DDT. Omega and Brian face off and have a strike exchange. Brian flips over Omega off the corner, does his usual, like, like the usual backflip off of the turnbuckles. Yep. And hits the running lariat. A Frankenstein by Brian, followed by the flying goat diving headbutt for two, with the box having to break the pin. Uh, Tiger suplex by Brian for two after a frenzy involving cool. everyone. Um, he does lock in cattle mutilation, but Nick breaks it. Um, breaks the pin. I think he did like a four fifty or something. Uh, he yeah he did right while yeah, he was in it. Yeah, Brian has to bridge for that, so that's yep. pretty cool. Uh, Flurry by Luchasaurus. Um, he chokes on his cool onto Omega. Jungle Boy hits Nick with the Hurricane Rana off of the apron. Many dives as well. Many like, dives, yes. Um, Adam Cole Bay Bay taunt. Um, Luchasaurus comes in, chokes on Cole, and falls with the standing moonsault for two. 
Jurassic Express looked to hit uh, Thoracic Express, but um, Omega hits Jungle Boy with the V-Trigger, and Cole low blows Luchasaurus with the ref distracted by the Bucks. Jungle Boy takes a super kick, a Snapdragon, and a Panama Sunrise, but luckily Brian Danielson breaks the pin. Um, Brian fights off the Elite and delivers yes kicks to Omega. Omega catches the roundhouse uh, final kick that he usually does, and Brian takes a triple super kick from the super quick. Right. And then the finish comes with Jungle Boy taking a quadruple BTE trigger wow, yes. for the win. That's uh, how you make him look good. Yeah, um, this match was pretty crazy. You have an entire amazing heel faction, right? I think that are super hot right now. And then also baby faces, but to me, especially Jungle Boy and Brian Danielson. Like, Brian Danielson is already, for me, an all-time babyface. And I think, honestly, Jungle Boy is on that path, right? Like, by the time he's done, he can be one of the all-time babyfaces. So combine that with the super hot crowd, right? Um, The Kenny Noballs chant really took off at one point in this match. Again, they loved the, the super elite sort of kissing Adam Cole. So I thought Jungle Boy looked great in this, and he seemed to be in the ring a lot for the first half of this match, which I think is a good choice. Then we got more of Omega and Danielson, right, which is an amazing sort of dynamic. And then we also got more of Adam Cole and Jungle Boy, which is also a great dynamic. You get a cool sequence from Luchasaurus thrown in there, right? And you get Christian Cage, who I didn't want to see, getting sort of the minimum amount of work in this match. So I don't know what there is to complain about this. My only complaint is that I didn't get to see the Thoracic Express, which I think is a really cool move I would have liked to have included yeah. here, but that's nitpicking. And of course, you have to ignore, and some people struggle with this, and that's fine, you have to ignore the rack, lack of control by the referee, right? Because again, this match breaks down, there's all kinds of violations going on, and there was a botch near the end, but I don't even remember what it was now. I made a note I that there was... I don't remember that there was... Oh, it was the the powerbomb spot. They basically couldn't... Remember, they fell backwards with oh, uh, yeah. Luchasaurus near the end. And it kind of sucked a little bit of the energy out. But, I mean, who really cares? This match was super fun. It's kind of like the quintessential hot opener, right? Where you get a whole bunch of stars in a really crazy match. I thought it was a lot of fun and a really great opener to this show. Yeah, it was really good. I thought it was a great opener. Featured a host of great superstars and had no shortage of action. And they took out the weakest link. Um, a great match, and especially um, a great match to get the crowd hyped. Um, I also like the return of the Super Elite theme after their victory, because I thought I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I don't love that Jungle Boy lost, but taking a four, whatever, a BTE. to the face. Yeah, I mean, that's going to happen, right? So, to your head. We were hoping Cage would take the pin, but. Uh, he was out worked. for a while, so I he will was. take what I can get. <laughs> right. Um, next we get a promo from John Moxley. Um, he says he has a lot of patience for anything, or he doesn't have a lot of patience for anything. Probably know. doesn't have a lot of patience, um, I would think. He says there's no main AEW competitor submit him. Um, Mox is now throwing ladders at him, maybe literally. Mm-hmm. Um, he mentions his three-month-old at home and says Philly is a city, AEW is his company, and that is his belt. I assume he'd be referring to the women's title, yeah? I guess so, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what did you think? <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's standard mocks, right? Great intensity. I liked the quick as a dad, right? I liked that he threw in the reference to his daughter and he said, she's nuts, basically, I think, mm-hmm. right? I think the implication that, like, she's probably not sleeping great, so nobody in the house is sleeping great um, seemed like one of those things. So he delivers every time on the mic. Like, I don't know. I feel really repetitive when I talk about mocks promos because they're just always really good they always add a little bit of something to the match build so that was the, sta- the same thing here 
Yeah, um, I thought it was just, I don't know, it was like, like you said, another solid promo from Mox. There's not really much to say other than that. The fact that WWE let this guy go and didn't use him correctly is just continues. Because honestly, I wasn't Even sure. Even little promos like this are so... I wasn't one of the ones who was sure he was a can't miss like star. I was like, he's really good and we'll see. But he's like, he's completely solid and no matter what you want. So versatile too, right? Like whatever you need him to do. A technical match, uh, an extreme rules match or whatever, no DQ. Doesn't really matter. He can talk, he can work. So yeah, he's the real deal. Mm-hmm. Um, next we have a promo from CM Punk in the ring. Um, he talks about his wrestling roots in Philly and how he loves Philly. Um, he says he was spiritually rich because he was happy and whatnot. Right. Um, he says uh, since Philly is special to him, he wants to treat them. He says he'll wrestle tonight or buy everyone cheesesteaks. Um, he says he'll wrestle and he calls out Daniel Garcia for a match on Rampage. Not the same night, but I guess for yeah, them. Yeah, so there's a bit of a disconnect no, there because he I says for, tonight. I guess for them it is. For the crowd it is, right? Because so, it's recorded after. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a solid promo from Punk. It felt a little Panda-esque, but I feel like... Um, his pander's a little different. I don't know. It um, is. At least he has an actual history and legit attachment to Philly. Yes. Because that's where Ring of Honor was based, right? So, yes. So um, so at least there's that. And I think him versus Garcia could be cool, though. I feel like um, the pandering stuff, I almost feel like he's setting up for a, a pretty swift heel turn. Like he's doing this whole happy to be, be really here, smart. happy to be here, let the fans enjoy him for a while, right? And maybe get a month or two months in of him right, being a face. You can't come into a heel, especially no, not him. He, but it almost feels like that's where he's leading us to. This promo in specific, specifically, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I didn't think it seemed very focused to start. I wasn't sure what the point was other than to come out and appeal to the fans, right? Then he botched the local dish. Remember, he called it a cheesecake instead of a cheesesteak and sort of had to do a little bit oh, of... Oh, I thought scr- he did that as a joke. I don't think so. I think he just made a mistake, and then he's pretty good at saving it. Um, so I guess he set up a match, but I thought the first 80% of this was pretty much unnecessary. But again, if it's part of a larger story where he's going to flip on the fans, I'm okay with it. He took a long time... He has had a really good heel turn in the past. Yes. So for me, the bottom line was he took a really long time to say that he'd wrestle tonight, which wasn't tonight for us, and <laughs> um, and face Daniel Garcia on Rampage, basically. So uh, the people in the arena seemed to enjoy it more than I did, but I just thought like the first two-thirds of this to 80% of it weren't... I don't know. There wasn't much to it, really. But again, if it's part of a larger character build, then I'll be okay with Which it. Which I could easily see that happening, because yep. again, this is AEW. It just seems like he's a little WWE. too much, like, I'm so happy to be here, and I'm so happy to be back. Like, it seems he's almost professing his love too much and setting us up for something, which is fine. I'm okay mm, with that. Suspicious. And I could be wrong, but that's how it feels to me no, right that, now. No, that's a fair assumption now that um, I think about it. Right, more. just knowing professional wrestling, it feels like he's a little too happy and to be And he's here. a pretty talented heel, so... Oh, for sure. He can do whatever. Yeah, I remember, like, I, I know his heel turn was pretty good because I, I remember playing in the showcase when he... Because, um, like, his title run with the WWE title is so long that yeah. he, like, he turned heel, like, and he was champion still. Um, cause it was, it was really cool. Cause, um, it was in the midst of like Cena and Rock kind of, yeah. cause I think that was the year that they had a match and then like, um, it was Raw 1000 and Big Show caused a DQ in, um, Cena and Punk's title match cause, uh, Cena had won money in the bank and he did one of those dumb babyface things where right. he pre-announces his cash in. Of course, you liter- have to. Literally defeating the entire purpose of the money in the bank. Right. Um, and then The Rock came in and beat Big Show up and Punk left, but then he came back in, clotheslined, and GTS'd uh, Rock 
because he felt overshadowed by Punk and like, Cena. Can't you, can't you see Punk teasing the jump into the crowd and then like giving them the finger or something? Like I could totally see that yes. happening, right? Oh, that would be a really like easy way. And then like he cuts a promo. That would be a really cool swerve. Yeah. Anyways, we'll see. Yes. Uh, kind of went off there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, next, we got an Arn Cody package. Uh, Arn is like behind a house or something. Right, yeah. He's in Cody's backyard, I think. In Cody's backyard. Bur- setting fire to stuff. Uh, I don't know if it was a suit or a jacket. He says it is symbolic of what Black has done to them, Malachi Black. He said earlier, um, like in a, like it was like a pre, it was from, he was on like a podcast or something. Um, and he said Cody has gone to Hollywood. Uh, Cody walks out and Arn basically makes a line mocking Stardust, which I thought was funny. Yeah, why don't you and paint a star on your face or something like that? That's kind of offensive. I like Stardust, you okay? You were one of the few, yes. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> tells Cody to burn his tie as well. Um, what did you think? I-, I thought it was kind of cool, although in the end, I fear that... My fear is that Cody's going to use this to try and convince us that he's the hardworking everyman like his dad was sort of thing. Instead of no. what I... Instead of what I want, which is the complete heel yes, turn, that's right? Exact. This that feels kind of where it's leading, but at the same time, I could see Cody being like, "Nah, everyone loves me." Right? Like I'm every man. I'm just despite my suits and my mansion, no, I'm still and, just a hardworking dude. And despite dude. him getting booed out of the building, right. facing Malachi Black, who's supposed to be this despicable heel. Like, so if he does turn full heel, you're gonna see me be really happy because I think Cody could do an amazing job with that, and I don't know why he's been fighting it for so long. But I thought Arn did another really good job here this week as sort of yeah, like I, Uncle I Arn who's that. disappointed, right, in, in Cody. And... I was going to say this as well. I thought Arn spoke well again. Yep. I like the line about Stardust because I always like those uh, little mentions. And, and it whatnot. makes sense because Arn and Cody are, are close enough that Arn could say something like this to him. And Arn is the type of guy that is a straight shooter, uh, right? Maybe. And would be like, listen, man, you've sold out. You're too corporate. You need maybe to sort Cody of... Maybe Cody can't handle this and it'll push him to the point of insanity. That's... And maybe he'll have to look to the stars for advice. Oh, <laughs> or he could just embrace that, yeah, I'm the rich, you know, VP now and too bad and go heal. And then and I'm then happy. He could have his own demon Balor, except it would be Stardust. No, thank you. What? Why not? That'd be great, okay? <laughs> no. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah, but I thought this was a solid segment. And again, I thought Arn spoke well again. So. Yep. Um, I, like, I don't know, it's weird. Arn's been good in this. He has. He's, Arn's a good talker when they, they just need, like, plans for him, right? I like the role he's in right now. Mm-hmm. Next, we got a pr- quick promo package from Bob, Robert Fish. Yep. Um, he says he has been a martial artist his whole life, and he says Guevara's destined to go down as the shortest reigning TNT champion in AEW history because of him. Yeah, I thought this was good enough. I, just no. from, from the, the b-roll or whatever they call the hot like him training and stuff it feels like he should be part of lambert's crew almost right because it seemed to really be pushing him as a legit sort of mma fighter kind of thing so i don't know if that's in the offing but it felt like he should be part of that crew maybe but i thought this was a nice little introduction for people that don't yeah, know yeah um uh, that's what i was gonna say i'm um, a little promo for him um for people uh who don't know yeah. him. like it's just uh, an introductory promo exactly although i imagine many people most people know who he but... is but there's a few or even just a little bit, he's here's how he's being presented by AEW, even if you do know him, right? Yeah, so yeah. far. Um, and I saw a really cool thing um, that someone was like, um, you know, Cole and Fish are in AEW, and that's two down, two to go. <laughs> it could be, right? <laughs> Although Roddy's would... a champion, you know, so who knows? Yeah, but um, he's not young, and he's small. He is not young, and, <laughs> and he is not big, So and he can't talk. I would so. love Undisputed Era in uh Too many AW people. If, you can't have everyone. No, cause, and then the elite can t- take a rest, because who cares? 
And then Undisputed Era can kick butt. Dream on. No. <laughs> um, next, we actually follow up with that TNT title match. Um, Sammy Guevara defending against M- MLW's Bobby Fish, but now right. he's actually signed. So, so not sure he him. deserves a title shot right out of the gate, but I guess it's that open whole open challenge, challenge kind yeah. of vibe. So it's it's been sort and they, of I do like how they've made the point that this is a, this is how they got Ricky Starks and That's Eddie right. Kingston. Yep. So there's a, they're at least like this isn't the first time we're doing this, and right? it's cool because it kind of brings up this possibility that. You could get new people at any point right, for this title. Right, you could have like um, him defending against AEW guys, like yep. Mira defending against Kingston and like uh, Archer. But like then you can also have them bringing in guys like Bobby Fish. So it's, or it's someone crazy. from New Japan or Impact yes, bring in Josh Alexander no, or whatever. New Japan, that is what I want. That yep. would be great. Uh, could uh, who could we bring? Jay White, yes. He's not really impressing me when his impact like stayed. I like Jay but White. You do like Jay White, but his impact stuff has been very underwhelming. That's impactful. Uh, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> um, I thought this was a solid back and forth match, uh, which was a good first defense for Guevara. Um, notables, there was a strike exchange early on, um, leapfrog, and then a drop kick by Guevara. Guevara goes for a springboard move, but gets his legs kicked out by Fish. Lots of strikes are traded, and Fish takes control at the back elbow after Guevara rebounded off the ropes. A running pump knee by Guevara, Saido suplex by Fish for two, a ripcord counter into a Spanish fly by Guevara. That's cool. That was nice. I he does a really nice standing Spanish. The fly. fact that yeah, you can execute that from standing seems like it's different off the and top because so you've, smooth too, you've got Fish room went, to make that rotation off right. the top. But and because Fish uh, went for like a ripcord move and then it looks so smooth. It right? looks good, yeah. And then, uh, Fish actually got a really cool move too. He hit an avalanche falcon arrow. It's awesome. Um, yeah. For two, I've I know that move. I've hit that move a few times in two K. I thought it looked um, cool. But I don't. I don't think I've seen that a ton actually. Like that's what I was gonna say. One. I don't remember Fish doing it for sure. So it's nice that he busted out something I new. You like. I, mean, I might not have seen him do it. We're going but by it my memory, like which move. is not great. So I no, but now I just it looks like a move that he would have done. I Maybe. don't know. Um, the finish does come when Fish misses a roundhouse kick and Guevara hits him with a kind of sudden GTH for the win. Which I think that Sammy's finisher also looks super cool when he. Hits I like it. his because um usually top guys have a couple finishers yeah. like in two K. There's always like your alternate finisher. Right. Um, but I like his two different finishers you got like one that's cool and then one that he can hit on anyone because like it's a hot it's a top rope move right because he's not gonna like if he's facing i don't know someone big like maybe no he might be able to lift luchasaurus, luchasaurus maybe. yeah that's what i was gonna say he might be able to lift him but like say he can't then he can hit him with the 630 or right? like hobbs so, or somebody yeah exactly. he's got another yeah, yeah. option so right yep. so i like that um post-match american top teams around the ring and attack Guevara because they couldn't just leave this alone uh fuck all the soul runs out because he's stupid i guess he gets and killed right tries away. to help is e- easily overwhelmed um jericho and hager then run out Woo! big return mm-hmm. yeah and they take it to american top team lambert shouts for the music to stop and waits for the fans to finish singing uh lambert says jericho has been a big deal for a while and calls philly a crap stain town right except he didn't say crap right um Lambert says the king of the 305 is some MMA guy, Jose Masvidal. Masvidal, yeah. I've heard of him. Why did I remember that? I'm actually kind of mad that I remember that. Isn't it Jorge Masvidal? Why did you remember that? Because I've heard his name a bunch. Uh, Yeah, he's the guy that needs Jericho. Also, I don't care about him. Um, He says they fight on their terms and they'll face a six-man tag. I think he said next week. Um, Jericho says he didn't hear anything Lambert said. If only that was true, because then this wouldn't happen. It was hard to hear him. The crowd was like drowning him out with booze and whatnot. I wish that would happen, because then we wouldn't get the match. 
Jericho says they'll beat the crap of American top team in Lambert and says they'll see them in Miami. So I think that has to at least be next week because Rampage this week would also, or yesterday, would have also been in Philly. Right. So uh, what did you think of the match and also the promo? I thought it was a good TV match. I mean, the result was never in doubt, but I still enjoyed it. A fish came across, I thought, like a legit fighter just trying to slow Guevara down a bit. And then yeah. Sammy looked good in his flurries, showcased his crazy athleticism. And he was also playing to the crowd a bit here as, as a babyface now. The pace wasn't super fast considering it's Sammy Guevara, but there was some cool stuff. Uh, and I feel like just with Bobby Fish, now that he signs, he needs to join a group, right? Or he's going to get lost in the shuffle pretty quickly, I feel like. He could join the elite because no, Adam so. Cole is there. As for the aftermath, you could barely hear it due to the crowd booing. And I really don't care much about this story at all. I've said I'm it. I'm so sad. I think Amer or the Men of the Year should be a top ticket. I feel like this is slowing them down. I feel they like they don't need a mouthpiece. The more this goes on, the less they fit in with this group. Yes, because and you're it's basically not even like they're a tag team that needs a mouthpiece. Like they, no, they don't. They're, 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 they're one of the last teams that needs a mouthpiece. And you're basically doing, and I can't stand that I've said it before. The whole you're not real fighters, and we're real, real fighters. So why exactly. are you? Why are you pairing up with two fake fighters then? Right. You're critical of no, the because they have real fighting. Credentials. I know, but like... so does almost everyone, right? You're critical of this whole genre of pretend fighting, yet right, you're no, accepting if... two of them. If they don't like it so much, then why are they even here? And I find Lambert's promos have become kind of rambling at times. And they kind of blend together for me. I just don't have any desire to see MMA people pretend to fight when this roster is loaded with talent that I would actually pay to see pretend to fight. (laughs) So I don't need like amateur pretend fighters to come in when I've got a million pro ones that I really want to see. They should stick to what they're doing because they don't need to come over here. And And this roster is pretty close to being bloated already. So bringing in a bunch of people that aren't wrestlers doesn't seem necessary. I don't think this is connecting with the crowd. I don't know if this is actual the heat they're going for or if this is just like we don't want you out here kind of heat right it feels like Baron that's Corbin what i have heat. for it anyways so uh but anyways i the match i like the aftermath i don't really care inner circle this is clearly a, a step pretty far back for them it's just not a feud i'm interested in right now what about you yeah for me like the difference for in my experience i'm like for me it's the, the difference is Miz heat versus Corbin heat like I remember hating Miz yeah. but that's because you were supposed to hate Miz because he was when I started watching he was freaking at his peak and then Corbin um when he was constable Corbin he hated him because he sucked it's the go away heat they say right it's not I'm not booing you because I want to boo you I'm booing you because I just don't want you out here right, right. Now. yeah for right. me like in my experience for me the difference is Miz and Corbin right that's um fair. so I agree I thought this was a pretty good TV match um the outcome was expected but Fish got in some cool stuff and Guevara got a solid uh win for his first defense and the aftermath was just a bunch of nonsense I didn't really care for right um it like I said the Lambert stuff just it's starting to blend together for me and I think like you said the more and more this goes on the more America or men of the year uh feel out of place and the more it hurts them I it's think it's not elevating them at all right, right and it's they not they could be doing they could be entering a, into an epic program with the lucha bros or something like they could be doing so many better things and it feels like a massive shift to the back burner for inner circle too to be yes. involved in this not that i care cuz i'm kind of not that interested in them at the moment but a definite pretty big step back for them i feel like their faction doesn't really need to exist anymore uh, it's kind of seems to be just a couple of them at a time sort of thing you know what Proud i mean and powerful definitely seem to be separate which yes, i am okay totally with, fine with because they are awesome and santana's proven himself capable on the mic again they do not need a mouthpiece I agree. either when they started i was said yeah jericho's a good mouthpiece for them 
now that's not the case because I don't like Jericho's promos that much anymore, and also Santana can talk. He can. Um, next, we get a promo from the Acclaimed. Seems kind of random, but here we go. Um, they are the number one, number one ranked tag team right now, which um, I feel like they should have just tried to be number five again because being ranked number five worked well for them last time. And know? now it's oh, rankings matter. Rankings don't matter. It just depends on the AEW's mood, right? right. So it matters again um, They for had a, a promo backstage um, near some stairs. Uh, Caster's rapping about how they're, they'll do their thing against Lucha Bros on Rampage, so they have a tag match. Or title match, I mean. And Bowen says they're going to bring home the tag titles. Um, what did you think? I thought it was pretty good, but nowhere near as strong as many he's done before. And maybe that's because he's now oh. being monitored because he had one that was very, very controversial. It's but fake. It also was lacking the beat underneath, which I much prefer. Oh, you know what I wish they had done? is because last time they challenged the titles. You remember what they did? Remember the music video? Yes. Oh, loved it. I wish they would do that again. That, that was, was one so of my favorite good. segments of the year, That probably. was so good. Uh, so his lyrics definitely were nowhere near as savage as some of the ones he's done before. And I thought Bowen was given more to say here than he usually does, which is fine because they could try and in- incorporate him a bit more. So I thought it was pretty good, but it's nowhere at the level of some of the stuff they've done. What about you? Yeah, I think uh, we've talked about this before. It's so annoying how like wrestling stuff is treated compared to TV Held shows. Held to a different standard, right? Because, like, I guess this pretends to be real, but, like, what? You think when you're watching, like, a movie, it's right. all... It's all like or a TV show when a character a says something offensive as part of his character. There's no cry to cancel him and to right, to like, discipline him. I don't know. Like for example, when Michael Scott, I guess, is saying racist right, like he's crap. saying insensitive, racist, uh, sexist things. It's not like well, we got Steve Carell, we need to punish him, right? But because wrestlers, I think it's that thing like we don't get the credits at the end where it's like Max Caster played by so and so. You know what I mean? It's like they're not trying. Nobody really is trying to think that wrestling is real anymore and that these are actual people. They're playing the characters no, just if, like if in... No, if this had happened in, like... Um, the 80s. The 80s. Well, one, when there, I was wouldn't, a kid. there wouldn't be, like, the canceling thing. No. But then also, it would be, like, that was when they were trying to keep kayfabe. So did he say things that were insensitive and not great? Of course. Is he playing a character on a television show? Yes. Yes. So that's where my frustration lies Yeah, as I don't well. know. We'll, we'll but shift anyways. over. Um, I also thought this was... Um, good. I thought it was a cool rap. Um, again, I I also appreciate some sort of backbeat, even if it's not like their theme in this. I don't know. Just and this didn't rhyme as well as his usual ones. I thought either. Yeah. Um, I think this should be a cool match. Um, that did happen yesterday, but we did not watch it. No, I probably will though. I might. I was gonna, but I was like, I only, I don't, I know who's gonna win. I only want to see his entrance, and I. I was actually gonna put it on while we were getting stuff ready to do this pod, but it wasn't. It hasn't recorded yet on our system, so I don't know when it is. Weird. Next, we have Tony Khan's announcement. Ironically, not announced by Tony Khan. No. So With yeah, Aubrey it, holding a velvet bag. I wonder what could be in it. Not the trio's titles. Sad. She's holding it just like you'd hold a championship. So it's weird. It's hard to guess um, what's in there. Okay, so I think it's going to be... It could be, it could be Damien. Oh, could have been a yes. snake in that bag, I guess. No, that... Or a bag of tacks. Was... You got to go with all the wrestling tropes. Oh, yeah. Um, could have been it, a bag of glass or thumbtacks. Yeah, it could be um barbed wire strands. Could oh, be. Maybe it's a really flat toolbox. Or a pieces of Lego happen sometimes yes. in the indie matches, yes. right? Yeah. It's a giant sack of Lego. So let's find out what it was. Uh, or no, I think it's no, it can't be a snake because maybe that they want to do something original. So I think it's gonna be um a uh a cockroach. Could be. Yeah. A spider in a cage. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> An animatronic, late, super, ultra lame spider. Yeah, it could I be. I forgot about that. Yeah. What oh a payoff that was. <laughs> and then, like, the Eric week Rowan, after right? they revealed it, Drew McIntyre just squashed it. That was one. Stairs. That was one of those, like, it's embarrassing to, like, wrestling moments, right? Like, why are you doing this to us? It's already bad enough. But anyways. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. I can't believe I remembered oh something and you didn't. Because it was so terrible, <laughs> it was so I couldn't. Stupid. Yeah, it was. Oh my god, I can't believe. I think that was like um a year ago. Because I remember that was like around when McIntyre won the rumble. Can't believe that gimmick didn't work for him. <laughs> hard to believe. It's hard to believe he's not still in, um, in a main event attraction. Exactly. Um. Anyways, Tony Trevani talks about Diamond Man's anniversary and the introduction of the T and T title last year. Hmm. And then he says there will be a TBS championship uh, for their move to TBS in January. Right. Um, uh, and it is for the women's division. What does it look like, you may ask? The title is the exact same as the TNT title, but with the TBS logo and a blue sash instead of the red one. Right. Um, um, thoughts. I laugh because I know you don't love the TNT title. No. So I thought this is pretty amusing because uh, so this one looks slightly worse. I do love the idea of a secondary women's title because I feel like that's legitimizing that division right, trying you, to you could say um that wwe does that but like they don't because they're both no. major titles and right. it's like they're different shows so it's like it would be like having an AEW champ women's title for both brands you know what i mean yep so i love the idea i'm just not sure it's the right timing the division to me isn't super hot yet it's the That's one what di- i was thinking it's the one division that still needs a little bit of build the roster's not amazing though it is improving right with the addition of ruby riot and i think serena deeb is signed so that helps a lot and there was a time not long ago when I think NXT's women's roster could have easily done something like this because they were just stacked to the gills, right? They could have had a second title. So I really hope it does work out in AEW because I love this idea, like, sort of just getting the women closer to being treated equal, right? They're still not getting as many segments, obviously, as the men, but just to have a second title to compete for, I think, so, I think is a cool idea. Um, yeah, so I thought it was a fine announcement, but it's been rumored for me. One of it those has. Worst it was in our news, secrets. right, I think? I think so. Um, it is a shame that this wasn't the Trios Championship, however. Um, and this is exactly like the TNT title, except slightly worse. Because I don't... I think the TBS logo looks worse. Because it's got, like, kind of this silver box around the logo. I didn't love with, the like, belt, the corners cut obviously. off. I like the TNT title because it's just, like... At least the logo is just, like, there's not, like, that weird kind of border around it. You, right. know, you know what I mean? Yep. And I don't think the women's division is quite to the level where it warrants two titles. Same. Whereas the trios championships, one, you've got a slew of factions already ready. And then you can easily throw in some, like, like Cajun Jurassic Express. Mm-hmm. Like, there's you can easily throw together a division there, right? So, I think the trios titles are long overdue. Whereas this women's title, I feel like maybe they should announce when they move to tbs i would agree i think they're more ready for a trios than a women's and then a women's a little bit down the road once this division i think it is a great idea i think it's really cool that they're doing this they just think um i feel like maybe a few more signings perhaps and but i mean maybe they can uh get some help through the forbidden door not even i don't even know if they need a few more signings but just a few more like classic women's matches that they can sort of hang their hat on like the thunder rosa Britt baker right like just some absolute yep. bangers that um sort of get more attention to this division even. i could maybe see perrazzo coming in for one of the women's titles and then that. belt collecting i would love to see that yeah because she's kind of in the same spot as omega right now yeah so uh next we get darby allen interview with none other than jr jr says last week segment with mjf was uncomfortable for him 
Darby says MJF made things very public last week. He says the accident with his uncle shaped him today. He paints his face because half of him is dead inside. Love that. Yeah. Um, he says his face, or he faced a death that day, and he's still here. He says MJF can say whatever he wants because MJF will not win this war physically or mentally, and he has never met anyone like him. Uh, what do you think? Um, again, I love the JR sit-downs, and I feel like Darby's starting to develop his own style in promos. I think he's doing a really good job because I really thought this was his limitation early on in his AEW and we, we did enjoy and at uh, times prefer like the silent segments yes but I feel like um when, uh, now that he's improved I for sure and it's kind of like this is the wrestler Darby Allen origin story right which is really cool because kind of like his superhero origin the, the explanation so of the half face paint and where this sort of daredevil not worrying about death attitude came from right so and all of his some of his tattoos he specifically talked yeah. about too so this is the stuff, I mean, I'm a sucker for tying it into real life, however true this is. I think most of it is, but or at least it really feels like it, right? So I love the explanations he gave here. It felt real to me, which is my favorite thing pretty much in wrestling. So I enjoyed this, and I feel like it also sets up MJF to sort of, he'll have some awesome, clever way to come back at this too. So I think this could like build into a really hot feud depending how long they want to drag it out, but I, I really like this segment. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a solid promo from him again, and he's improving a ton. And I did enjoy the backstory to his look, um, because I think it's a cool look. But I do like I like that there is some reason to it. Yes. And I can't wait for a match against him, Jeff. And that'll be really cool. Um, we immediately follow up with Darby Allen taking on the factory's Nick Comoroto. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have no description for this because it was it didn't really warrant one. We ended up trying to watch it twice because we had some playback issues watching it on the app right that we were at watching first right because again it, it got bumped late. in canada for soccer which was annoying so then like we started soccer really we soccer? started streaming it on an app we have um and it was PSN. there was some weird cuts and things so we missed almost well not that there was yeah, much why don't, to this why don't match, we have a tsn title huh so we went AW? back to it but anyways um so darby attacks right away coffin splash in the corner by darby forms by darby and komaro catches the pop over center and hits a power slam um, after a commercial break, power was thundered by Darby, and then the coffin dropped to the back for the win. Post-match, Sting no-sells a diamond cutter from QT and hits a low blow and a scorpion death drop. Woo. Yeah, so I, I didn't have much to say. This was basically a squash that, like, half of it happened during a commercial break, right? So there was, I'm not quite sure what this was for, because even the aftermath doesn't really establish anything, I guess... I don't know, a win for Darby Allen over a big guy is what it was, but I I, yeah, I was confused um, a little by this. This is pretty lame. For the big man Monster Komoro was supposed to be, like, remember, no sold a wooden chair? Right. He looked pretty weak here, easily being beaten by the much smaller Darby Allen, who Agreed. usually gets his butt kicked and yeah. then comes back. So, yeah, I was a bit confused by I it. also really hate Sting no-selling stuff. He's old. It should hurt him more. <laughs> Like you build honestly. that old man strength, you wouldn't understand. He got injured by a buckle bomb. I'm impervious to pain now that I'm an old man. He got injured by a buckle bomb. I know. He's like no sold a table thing by Teach or 2.0. Yep. Why did I say Teach? And then he uh, no sold. It's like I don't know. I just find it annoying because it just doesn't make sense. Okay. And it's kind of you're allowed to be annoyed by Sting. You are. Oh, regularly. I am. Yes. And I will. You will. Uh, <laughs> you will continue to be. I will continue to be until he actually retires. I think the only way he'll retire is if he dies. Wow. Let's hope not. I mean, I'm not wishing death on him, but I'm saying, like, he's clearly... He's going to die like, in the if, ring? If he was going <laughs> to... So I felt about Flair for a while. Um, Maybe. And, like, I feel like if canceled. he was going to actually retire, he would have stayed retired after that match with Rollins. Right. He's clearly just going to wrestle until he literally can't. Possibly, yes. 
I that's what it feels like. It does. Um, not wishing death on Sting. No. Um, next we get not. a promo from Dark Order. I just wish retirement on Sting. Right. Um, Uno says he knows he hasn't made the best decisions, and people disagreed, so they should vote on who makes decisions. Reynolds says they should vote as a family. They all vote in agreement, and then they kind of like a playful argument over whether Alan Angel should put his mask on, and he, if he. Because Silver calls him ugly, and right. then he, they, they um, argue whether he looks more like Silver or Grayson. Um, I, I enjoy this to just to follow up on the reunion of this uh, family faction. I I don't know. I, it was nice. It felt good. I agree. I just thought this was a cute little segment, right, to remind us that everything's all right with this group because nobody wanted anything to happen to I can't wait to, to see to whatever happens next week because Hangman's back now, so they're, they got to do something. Right? It was sort of to be like the Amanda Huber moment from last week. Yes, that really did set them straight and everything's fine and they still can joke with each other and they're just a fun little cohesive group again that's going to, looks like, be run by democracy. They're going to vote things rather than having a leader. It, so it, that's feel, it feels good to have this back. Totally fine, yep. Uh, next we have Rick Starks in the ring. Uh, yeah. Um, Starks holds up the FTW title, says it's the original. That is not true, actually. There was a, the first FTW title was made by uh, out of like an old television title, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it looked kind of like the Winged Eagle title, so that's actually wrong. So suck it, Ricky. Mm-hmm. And um, he says it was made in Philly, which I don't even think that's accurate either. Um, and it was made by Taz, which is probably the only accurate thing. And he has the same mindset, unlike Brian Cage. Um, he says he's going to wrestle Cage, but he didn't show up. Cage comes out, brawls with Starks until Team Taz pulls Starks out. This is short. And again, like I feel like they've done this before where it's like Starks says something, insults Cage, Cages are mad, and then yes. he beats up people, and then Starks runs away, and then it's over. Like, I don't know. It, it didn't have a, po- a point again. And I don't know. This is kind of annoying. It's like they've realized, that, and they're right, that Cage can't talk. So the only thing you can have him do is physicality, right? So... Right, but I don't like the same formula every I time. agree. And Starks is really good on the mic, and he did a. I thought he did a good job of like his facial expressions, looking scared when Cage runs in. Uh, and again, it makes sense that Cage isn't talking, but a, yeah, I, I don't like this title, and I don't like that you're starting to treat an unsanctioned title like an actual title, right? Like this is why not... does Cage care about this? I guess he wants to be up Starks, uh, but why does he care about the FTW title? So what's stopping everybody from just? Hiring a belt maker, spending a thousand dollars, making a belt, and bringing it right, in. Right, I'm and sure they can afford it. it. Right, like I just don't love the whole story around this belt. The match might be good, but I like feel you, like I'm... it. It was the way they brought in, it in made sense, but I feel like it's run its course. I agree. It needs to sort of disappear. They've got enough titles right now. I mean, it feels really weird to say this, but WWE had the sense to get rid of the million dollar title after right. like it served its storyline purpose. So. Right. And I That's don't. That's really weird that they. Did and I, that and AEW did not. And this championship hasn't really made anybody, right? Like Starks is I guess his profile's right. a bit just held higher. On but... to it for like doing nothing. And it's just a bunch of circle plates. So yeah, not my favorite storyline either, but the match could actually be fun. You've got the massive powerhouse versus the speed, right? And if they get a bit of time, it could be fun. But yeah, the story behind it is not that interesting. Um yeah. Uh next we get a uh, promo package for the teen TBS said. <laughs> It's a TNT hat. Uh, the TBS title uh, tournament. Yeah, another yep. tournament. Woo. Yeah, I like that idea. It sounds sarcastic, but it is not. No, I'm I'm fine um, with it. Thunder Rosa says she is La Wera Wera, and uh, she wants the title, which I find that pretty surprising that she's entering a tournament for the title and she wants it. Weird. That's... Who would want a title? Yeah, especially if you're in the tournament. Like That's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Sky Blue says she may be new, but she's in it to win it, which is also weird. Because when I enter tournaments, um, usually I'm in it to either participate or lose. 
So that, I'm in that's it to get second weird. place generally. I don't want to win. I don't want that kind of attention. I just <laughs> right. want the respectability of almost winning. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, no, that makes sense. Right? That makes sense. I usually shoot for like semifinals at least. That's fair. Um, Soho says the tile is the kind of flavor she likes. Um, and so I am now wondering how many tiles has she tasted? Well, actually, not that many because she. Ha- no, she hasn't. Cause... Maybe on the indies. Who knows? Okay, that's fair because I don't think she tasted any tiles. Although. Um, Abaddon tasted the women's tile one, so maybe Ruby Soho did something like that. Have you seen Abaddon lately, speaking of which? She's lost a bunch of weight. Looks very different. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, She's down like 30, 40 pounds or something. Nice. Yeah. Um, and Cargo says she will take the title, which, that's a little arrogant. I think she might. Like, it feels like... No, she's a good She's like the secondary title kind of Although I could see that a good spot for Soho, too, because I don't see Baker losing the title, but I think Soho should get something. Jade would look awesome with a belt on i think that's true um i feel like the title might look weird because it looks exactly like the men's title i mean they, i guess they did an nxt but yeah i don't know we'll have to see it first um what do you think of the second? Yeah, it was a good little thing to just let us know who's probably going to be in this tournament and i don't know it was really quick it was fine and i think <laughs> I, jade might be my favorite to win you I don't I think, think she's the best wrestler involved, I think of course. Any of these, but... I think Sky Blue's are kind of out of place in the segment because yes. the other three um candidates in this. Uh, segment. I mean, obviously, there's going to be more people in the tournament than this. Yeah. But uh, Rosa, Cargill, and Soho could all make an easy claim for the title. Like, yep. And I would, I would buy it. Yeah, I thought this was fine. A yeah, good I thought it was the final segment, which shows us some of the competitors in the upcoming tournament. Um, tournament and fresh titles always a good um combination. Yep. Like um, last time, when was the last time that happened? Uh, I guess the TNT title last Probably. year. Probably. But last, um, like, major one I remember is the UK title. Or another good one I remember is the Cruiserweight Classic. Because that was a big, fat tournament. That was, like, 32 yeah, that was people, fun. right? With so, a bunch of people I didn't know. So I like that even I remember better. watching that and being so freaking confused. Because I didn't know, like... I was like, oh, matches happening there. Oh, matches happening there. Uh, who's this? I, yep. I, like, it was so confusing. It's fun. But it's fun it stuff. Was, yeah, so it's good. I feel like tournaments nowadays are pretty small. So I, I missed that. Like, because that was a huge tournament. It was big. Yeah, and it was in, like, its own thing, too. Like, it wasn't, like, taking place on Raw and SmackDown. Right. Like, whatever they do for King of the Ring now. Um, next, we have Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deeb. If Shida wins, she'll get this nice little plaque for 50 wins. Will she win? Uh, yeah, probably. Uh-huh. Um, description, a good match between two talented wrestlers in the women's division. Um, I yes. think this was a good pairing. Um, some holding counters to start. Shida offers a handshake and gets slapped by Deeb. Uh, corner punches in a dropkick in the corner by Sheeta. Neck break over the middle rope by Deeb. Uh, front face lock airplane spin into a DDT by Sheeta, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I know I've seen McIntyre cool. do that before. Um, think on the indies. Right. Um, into a future shock. He might have even done that. I feel like he's done that to Ricochet, maybe on Raw or something. Um, top rope missile dropkick for two by Sheeta. Octopus stretch by Deeb. Uh, running knee strike by Sheeta. Middle rope cross by to the outside by Sheeta. Uh, chop block and a dragon screw in the ropes by Deeb. A swing neckbreaker for two by Deeb. A uh, running corner knee by Sheeta. Sheeta avoids a chop block and hits a roundhouse followed by a sit-out dominator for two. Um, uh, what, um, uh, what was the other Takahashi? Yujiro Takahashi. Yeah. He called that a Tokyo Pimps, I think. Yep. Um, Falcon Arrow for a near fall by Sheeta. Uh, Deeb hits the detox for a near fall, which is kind of like, it's like a, a package pile driver hook, like kind of like a Penta would do, yeah, but like and then a neutralizer. Uh, like a package neutralizer, kind of. Um, after uh, leg targeting and thumb to the eye. And then the finish comes in deep ram. She just leg into the mat repeatedly and locks in a half crab for the win. Shocker. Yeah. 
and she just um she hits uh Shida with a plaque after. Yep, I really like this match. The pace wasn't super fast, but it was steady, and both women showed some pretty cool offense. Uh, and I do like the full heel turn by Deeb as well, because she should be a contender in either of the women's divisions or for either of the women's championships. So uh, I thought this was a really strong match between two really good wrestlers. I've come full circle on Deeb, right? I started out being like, oh, she's like, what's her character? She's a yoga mom sort of thing. But she <laughs> is super talented in the ring. I can see why she was a trainer, right, for other wrestlers. So I really like this she, match. Was um, she a trainer in the PC? I feel like yes, she, she was. was. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. So I And I think they missed the boat on just limiting her to training, right? She should be wrestling, honestly, yep. obviously. Especially so I, she's not that old. I like this. Yep. Um. Yeah, Um. I thought this was pretty good and good for Dee for getting the win. It was, um, it was cool because it was surprising because with they made a big deal about she getting this whole 50 wins thing. They even had a plaque for her, which I can't remember if they did for Jungle Boy. They did. I'm almost positive. Okay. And they, they I like this a change of pace for when Jungle Boy got 50 wins because he actually did it. Now they made like, it feels like one of those things, oh yeah, she's going to get 50 wins. and She could she be didn't. chasing it for a while. It could be a really simple story for her, right? Right. She keeps losing. And right. Like, or like she's chasing Deeb. Even. Or maybe now Deeb is causing her to lose matches for a little bit, building to a rematch between these two where she does get the 50th. Like a lot of things open There's up, right? There's a lot right? of potential in this, yeah. Yep. Um, next we got Darby Allen interview as he's walking in the... Lot he was or something i don't know if it's to borrow lot a trope from nxt the parking lot not so safe oh yes it's i might have been like deep. an underground parking lot or something yeah, but yeah yeah um he accepts a challenge from mjf a masked guy's attacked darby even though it's obviously the pinnacle because one of them had a chair <laughs> and looked like spears that just tickled <laughs> yeah, me quite so a bit funny. especially when mjf gets out no right? it was funny because uh, I, I spears hit him with the chair and he's like hey. yeah you can hear him laughing you can kind of see through the mask briefly like it's clearly spears it's clearly ward and low then, and yeah, and then Darby gets hit with an Etten on some guardrails on the ground, and then a guy in a hood and a black suit <laughs> chokes Darby with the skateboard. Um, I thought this was really funny. Me um, too. Uh, it, it was funny how they're masked because even though it's obviously them, like they're it, doing their own signature moves, right? Right. And it's clearly them. Yeah, I love Spears because um he was just like giggling like an idiot, and then MJF just coming in a suit like that's and obviously a him. Nobody but Wardlow hits the F10 either. That's right. like one of his signatures. So. Yeah, I thought this was funny, and the fact that they also chose not to speak, right, so that they can later deny that it was them, I think is going to be really funny. So yes. I laughed at this, and I'm imagining there's going to be some funny denial by them coming out of this probably next week. So I, this was a simple little thing, but I thought it was really entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Um, and next we have a quick promo from Leo Rush. He says he is a huge fan of Dante Martin. He introduces himself, says he wants to do business with Martin, take him to new heights. He says if Martin takes a challenge from Malachi Black, he might need some guidance. Um, he says he'll have to have his people call Martin and they'll talk soon. Um, I thought this was a solid promo. I like them already putting this new gimmick to use rather than just being kind exactly. of a mention. And I think he could potentially be the babyface version of Big Money Matt. Or he could be heel too. That's but like, funny you say that. He comes across as a more babyface, so he could be like the 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 babyface big money Matt looking to make himself money but also looking to make them money right so it's funny because we did not talk about this at all so it's funny you brought up big <laughs> money Matt so I like this too Leo Rush speaks really well right and he's There's a looking reason he was Lash's mouthpiece a while ago right he, yeah he's basically looking to make an investment in an up and coming talent which makes sense with his current character as this shrewd businessman who's made his money from investments right so. As you said, it's basically the same thing that Matt Hardy is doing, 
which is kind of unfortunate. But you're right. I'm not even sure if he's positioned as a babyface or heel yet. He definitely but comes across more babyface. I if like I your had idea to lean towards one that his intentions are like more sincere. I want to help somebody, but also make money along the way. Where Matt is like, right. I just want to make money. Right, and I don't like care. help, like um. Like, make money, but also help someone along the way. Right, yeah. and especially you can also go with a fellow black competitor, right? Because Mon- Dante Martin's always wearing the Black Lives Matter band armband and things, so you could also tie that in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like Rush in this role probably better than Big Money Matt. And obviously Dante Martin's stock has risen in the past few weeks, right? right? Like, and it's a logical choice for him to... Yep. For an investment. Everybody has noticed this kid, so it's... it's Leo Rush getting in on the ground floor of this guy, right? Before he does become a major champion and is making all the, in theory and storyline, like the big money for all the matches, right? So I thought this made a lot of sense and I liked it. Yeah. Next, we got a quick interview from uh, Britt Baker. Uh, Baker said she was hoping for the Cartoon Network title, which I thought was really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw someone post, like, uh, there's, like, the U.S. title, which has the USA logo. Um, there's Cartoon Network and MTV. And yep. I think there was something else as well, yep. <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, she says, now all the jealous people can fight amongst themselves for the TBS title instead of obsessing over her. And she'll watch the tournament from the top. And now it makes sense why I heard it's called the Women's World title, because now there is a secondary title right. to differentiate it. Yep, um, she's, what do you think? she's just so confident and funny, right? And great in this character. And I just like that it's basically like everybody else. Now you have a title for yourselves because this one's mine and is forever going to be mine because <laughs> none of you can beat me. So they've basically invented another title for you lesser people to worry about. And I think that's awesome. And I, sh- I laughed a couple times in this. She's fantastic. Loved yeah. it. Um, I saw a problem. I really like the Cartoon Network title line. Yep. And now we arrive to our main event, which is Orange Cassidy versus Matt Hardy versus John Moxley versus Lance Archer versus Pack versus Andrade El Idolo versus Joker of Casino Ladder Match fighting for a giant poker chip. Winner gets title match. I, I, I don't love the giant poker chip, but anyway, what else are you going to do? I, I guess, guess it. It just looks kind of cartoony to me. It does, but I I like you, so I don't know what else they can do right, for that, I Right, I don't guess. know either. Although I do like it better than the giant Sonic ring. I, and doing a contract has just been done to death, I guess, so they're trying to find something unique. But yeah, the Sonic ring was also super cartoony. That was worse, because that was just like a giant donut. And even Scorpio Skies referred to it as the Sonic <laughs> yeah, ring, yeah, that's, right? Yeah, that's why, that's <laughs> yeah. why I mentioned that. Um, yeah. Uh, this is... I don't know, what can I say other than it was a frenzy ladder match with a very pleasing result? Yes. Um, so Pac and Cassidy start off. Uh, that's a good two to start with. Uh, total World Backbreaker by Pac. Pac pushes a ladder into the ring, and Cassidy pushes it back out, like slides it back out, which I thought was funny. Brain Buster by Pac, and Andrade El Idolo is the next entrant. Nice one. Um, Andrade grabs the tall ladder from the entranceway and gets dropkicked by Pac. Pac and Andrade have a strike exchange atop a ladder. Andrade hits a really nice sunset foot powerbomb off of a ladder Crazy. to Pack. Uh, Cassie hits Andrade with the kicks of doom until he gets chopped. And next entrant is Big Money Matt Hardy. Pack takes a beating in this yes. man, a couple big spots. Um, side effect to Cassidy. Hardy takes with Cassidy and Andrade with a ladder. Archer has entered during the commercial break and delivers a splash to Cassidy on a ladder bridge when we come back. Yep. And John Moxley enters, and it's weird. He wears his vest throughout the match. He does. Which I thought was kind of odd. Um... Archer goes in the crowd to meet Mox and they brawl. Ar- Mox throws a chair at Archer. 
Cassius Archer with the pair of orange punches, expert cast by Mox, and the Joker enters, and we already talked about it. It is Hangman Page, which I was very happy. What a reaction. As soon as so his, happy. like, the first couple notes of his yeah, very yeah, identifiable yeah, theme yeah, hit, yeah. the crowd went bananas for this guy, as did we in our own family room, basically. Oh, I was very happy. Me too. Um, Hangman and Mox brawl. Hangman clotheslines Mox out of the ring and lowers Archer, then hits a followers slam onto a ladder to Cassidy. Pack is Hangman from behind with the chair to poop on the party. Um, Pac knocks Andrade off of a ladder, and he falls to the outside onto another ladder, which looked awesome. Yes. Very uh, painful, yes. man. Hangman hits Pac with an avalanche dead eye from the top of a ladder through Unbelie- a table, which Unbelievable. that was bananas. Yeah. Um, Mox hits a paradigm shift to Hangman. Uh, Hardy pushes Mox and Cassie off the ladder and goes after Cassie. He hits a leg drop from the ladder through a table by Hardy, which you think? I know he doesn't like that move, so you think he has some common sense by now, but like... <laughs> nope. <laughs> They'll never learn. <laughs> uh, buckshot Lariat to Archer, who's setting up a ladder. Gotta get a buckshot in there. Of course. Hangman climbs the ladder, but Mox hits him with the chair, and they battle atop the ladder until Mox is knocked off, and Hangman secures the chip for the win. Yeah. Woo! Uh, there, I wouldn't say there was a ton of wrestling in this match, per se, but it definitely... It's a ladder match. It was definitely a spectacle. The crowd loved it. The return of Paige was humongous. There were a couple crazy spots, like Pac took a couple major bumps in this. I hope he's okay. Really fun main event. And the fact that we finally get Paige and Omega is just like, I haven't anticipated a match in quite a while like this. So um, I look forward to the story that these guys are going to tell in the next month or so leading up to that match. Uh, So a really satisfying end of the show, seeing Paige sitting on top of that ladder celebrating with kind of the ridiculous poker chip which I wish it could have been something else. But anyways, really satisfying main event. Lots of fun. A couple crazy spots. And just a really good end to this show, I thought. Yeah. Um, As, as a match, this was pretty good. A true car crash match. And there were some awesome spots. The Joker entrance was absolutely perfect. I'm very happy with it. The reaction from the crowd says it all. And it worked out perfectly. And Hangman and Omega can't come soon enough. I agree. Um, what are your thoughts on the show? Another really strong show this week. Again, it's like they're hitting on that formula for me. Opener, main event that I really were thoroughly entertained by. In between, we got a good Fish-Guevara match, a good Sheeta Deeb match, and then basically just a Darby Allen squash match. Segment-wise, I didn't really... The Lambert stuff was a low point again for me. Punk's promo seemed to just be to get him on TV without really much of an agenda. I liked Arn and Cody's segment. JR's sit-down with Darby Allen was good, and... The uh, Britt Baker's was awesome and Mox's was good as usual. So I'm giving this the same as I think the last couple weeks. This was an A- minus for me. I liked almost everything. And the few things that I didn't like, they still weren't terrible, right? It just wasn't... Uh, I didn't like every single segment and match that came through. But most of them and the things I didn't like weren't that bad. So I, another excellent show and an A-. minus. Nice. Um, the opener is pretty good, and I thought a great choice uh, for an opener. Mox and Punk uh, both cut a good promos. I thought Iron Anderson spoke well again in segment uh, two. Uh, Bobby Fish got a good introductory promo, and his match with Guevara was really nice as well. Uh, cool to see the acclaimed uh, back, and the announcement of the TBS title was a pretty poorly kept secret, but cool nonetheless. Darby Allen's interview with JR was good, but I didn't love his match. Um, it, it was good to see the Dark War back together, and the Ricky Stark segment for was sure. meh. Uh, promo package to hype the TBS tournament was fine as well, and I thought D, D versus Sheeta was a good match uh, with a surprising outcome. Um, I found the attack on Darby by those mystery men to be amusing, and I also liked Leo Rush's promo. Uh, Baker had a solid interview, and the main event match was pretty uh, good. 
Um, I feel like it was a little shorter than the first casino match, but that makes sense because the first one I think had more people and it was on pay per view. Right, I think, so. that's uh, the exact reason I think. Yeah. Uh, nonetheless, this was still enjoyable. Some cool spots. Um, and the Joe Crown was perfect. Overall, pretty good show. But some of the things like Allen vs. Comer didn't really feel like TV special quality, so I don't know. Like I'm just short of an A minus. So a B plus. So a B plus. Yeah. That seems fair to me. All right, so that's gonna take us into talking about some other wrestling stuff that we don't quite cover as in depth as this and that is our segment called any other wrestling business so we'll start out talking about impact wrestling from this past thursday night i guess it is right so we get the opening little clip is a recap of last week's uh focusing on the issues between eddie edwards the injured sammy callahan uh, morrissey and moose then also highlighting the return of Christopher Daniels and the creation of the tag team match that we're going to get tonight with Ace Austin and Madman Fulton taking on Christian Cage and Josh Alexander. Then we then move right into a match, and the opening match is the Bullet Club, comprised of El Fantasmo, Hikaleo, and Chris Bay taking on See, Finn Juice. we can Juice. agree Hikaleo is the star of the team. Okay. For sure. Finn Juice and Chris Sabin. So Sabin and Bay start out with some really fast-paced move-for-move action that I quite liked. Then ELP and Juice Robinson get in there, and they ter- take turns uh, trading some moves as well. The baby faces end up isolating El Fantasmo, make frequent tags for a little bit. Then there's a eye gouge by ELP sort of to turn the tide, and the heels take their turn, isolating Juice Robinson in their corner. Hikaleo teases a top rope move, then just steps off the ropes and rake Robinson's back just to try and be get some heel heat here. Finley makes the hot tag finally. And he knocks ELP and Bay, Bay off of the apron and takes control of Hikaleo before getting caught with the boot from the big man. We get a nice Uranagi backbreaker by Finley. Sabin then gets the better of Chris Bay and ELP before a triple dive to the outside by the baby faces. Uh, the Good Brothers are shown a couple times throughout this. They're watching the match backstage, I guess, in anticipation of defending their titles against the winner of this. Sabin kicks out of a Hikaleo choke slam and a Chris Bay splash combination. Bay's being set up for the cradle shock from Sabin, but Hikaleo What's sort of did momentarily. It's like a sort of driver thing. Anyway, a driver you, thing. Okay. You can look it up. <laughs> um, so Hikaleo distracts the referee by sort of looking like he's going to introduce a chair in the match. So the ref's dealing with that. Uh, El Fantasmo hits a cheap shot on Sabin, and Bay hits his Art of Finesse springboard uh, cutter and picks up the win in just under nine minutes. So I thought this was a pretty good match. It seemed to lack a bit of intensity to me, but it's a bunch of pretty good wrestlers, maybe minus Hikaleo in this. So the second well, half of it was better. You. For me, the highlight were the parts between Sabin and Bay. Um, they really were just showcasing their speed and sort of um, their ability to sort of hit some interesting moves. So I don't think it was a bad start. A pretty good opener for Impact. Nothing amazing, but a solid start to the show. Uh, then we have Josh Alexander. He's backstage for an interview regarding his tag team main event where he'll be tagging with Christian Cage. He says the dynamic between he and Christian is interesting because it should be an honor to team with Christian, but there's an issue between them right now because they have a match coming up on the horizon. He says he's studied Christian's career, and so at this point he thinks that Alexander is the wild card in this match because maybe Christian doesn't know about as much about him as he does about Christian. He promises to take care of Fulton and Ace Austin tonight while giving Christian a front row seat to his Bound for Glory future. So I thought this was a solid promo from Alexander. 
and hopefully he's the next Impact champion. He's got this kind of serious, believable style that suits his in-ring work as well. So it's just kind of he's the uh, the baby face that's just tough and can really wrestle and is, is pretty serious about things. So I like this. So Heath comes down to the ring. He made his return from injury coming down to try and help Rhino next week. Or sorry, last week. But Rhino, at the end of the show, still hadn't made a decision of whether he's going to stay with Violent by Design or sort of rejoin Heath in their babyface tag team. So Heath recaps his 2020 with his injury and his recovery, sort of robbing him of an impact contract. And he acknowledges that everybody has probably had a pretty rough 2020. He's sad about losing his best friend Rhino in the process here. He says they stayed in touch for about a month after Heath got hurt, but then Rhino sort of dropped off the radar even though he tried to contact him um, fairly regularly for a while. He said he doesn't blame Rhino for any of this. However, he blames specifically Eric Young and Violent by Design for basically brainwashing and abusing Rhino over the past months. He calls out Rhino specifically so that they can talk, but instead it's Violent by Design and Eric Young takes this opportunity to speak. He says that the Rhino of before is gone and Eric Young has made him better and more pure. He says he now speaks for Rhino, and Heath won't be talking to Rhino at all anymore. They, uh, Violent by Design, then climb into the ring, and Young says that Rhino belongs to him, and Heath obviously disagrees and said Rhino doesn't belong to anyone. Eric Young tells Heath to leave and never come back, basically implying that if he doesn't get out of there, they're, they're going to force Violent by Design's hand, and they're going to have no choice but to attack him. Heath says he won't walk out after busting his butt for months to get back into the ring. He's not going to have somebody just tell him to leave. So Young again threatens him one more time as sort of Doring is closing in on Heath here. So Heath, I can't remember, he says one more thing and then basically attacks Doring. But the numbers game clearly gets to him. Doring and Diener hold him as Eric Young gets out the flag they bring to ring and sort of knock... Um, Heath out with the flag and then cover his body with the flag and that's sort of the end of that segment and I just thought it was far too long and I really have trouble I I liked Violent by Design to start but again they haven't looked very strong they talk a really good game but then there's almost never any follow-through on it other than a brief tag title stint I think they had right but yeah um, there has not been much teeth behind anything that they're saying and I'm not a big Heath fan He's probably a decent fit for Impact, but I don't really feel like he's come back to much fanfare, so that's not doing too much for me. And I'm really supposed to care about Rhino's decision he has to make here, but I honestly don't. So I thought for the amount of time this was given, it didn't really work for me. Uh, Willie Mack is then interviewed. He's asked about his chances in the X Division tournament. He begins to, he sort of teases us that he's going to do a Scott Steiner math promo, but then he gets a little bit more serious and talks about his opponent's um, for next week he's interrupted by Zicky Dice and Manny Lemons of the learning tree with Brian Myers so they basically think they're better than Mac and Swan Rich says if they think they can beat them then he'll go get the match set up with Scott Demore for later tonight so Zicky and Manny Lemons then go to tell Brian Myers and VSK the good news Myers basically calls them idiots for thinking they can beat Swan and Mac after Myers and VSK lost to them last week so it's kind of like the the top tier of their little faction couldn't beat them, so why do these two lesser guys think that they can? Dice and Lemons thought that Myers basically are saying like, well, we thought with you in our corner, right, we probably couldn't lose because you're this great mentor. But Myers says that he and VSK are heading out 
um, they basically have a bus, I think. They're heading out to the bus instead. So it's the idea that in this heel faction, Myers has now fully embraced VSK and sort of forgot about the other two who were actually there before VSK, and that's the dynamic we're going with. And I thought it was okay. Willie Mack isn't very good on the mic, but at least we're going to finally get to see, at least at this point, I'm thinking, we're going to get to see Zicky Dice and Manny Lemons in a match, and they're both like... Um, experienced indie talent so it's not like these are green guys getting in the ring so I was kind of happy at this point that they're finally going to get in the ring but then we'll get the match later and I might feel differently hmm. so then we get Kimberly Brandy Lauren and Lady Frost that's kind of an interesting combination they're taking on Mercedes Martinez making an appearance in Impact Tasha Steeles and Savannah Evans in sort of um, a six person tag match here so Tasha is trying early on to avoid facing Brandy Lauren, probably any, and Kimberly. I think she doesn't want to face any of the zombie people. Um, and she sort of, uh, Lauren gets isolated early on with multiple tags. This was kind of, I did not like this little segment. It's basically, they tag in, kick a hit to the gut, sorry, kick to the gut, tag out, hit, kick to the gut, like repeatedly. So they're doing the frequent tags, but no other offensive variation other than a kick to the stomach. So then it breaks down into chaos for a while, and the ref suddenly cares about who's legal, as he hasn't for quite a while. So Martinez goes for a pin here, which is awkward. She, I guess she didn't know she wasn't the legal person. I don't know if this was planned or just sort of a mistake by her. But the ref now cares and gets her to leave the ring. So Tasha comes in instead and rolls up Kimberly with a grab of the tights for the win here. So, so I guess the character change really did a lot for her. And after the match, you get Martinez is sort of arguing with Tasha Steeles for not tagging her in and sort of taking credit for getting the win here. And then Alicia, for some reason, comes out with her kendo stick. Well, she hasn't been on the show yet, okay? <laughs> exactly. So she'll get on again, too. So she attacks Brandy Lauren and Kimber Lee until security pull her apart. So the match for Impact Standards got a lot of time going about nine minutes, and it was honestly really boring. Nothing of note happened at all in this. And the aftermath, I guess, seems to be related to Swinger's Palace and Brandy Lauren being the missing Swingerella and now is one of um, Sue Young's disciples, I guess. But again, it's not totally clear to me what's going on. And I don't really care either if she is the missing Swingerella, so they're going to have to work hard to make this interesting to me. I thought this match, unfortunately, was pretty much a waste of my time. So Alicia, again, we get more of her. She's really angry backstage, and she wants a match with Kimberly. So Gail Kim says if she wants to face Kimberly, it'll have to be in a Monsters Ball match this Saturday at Knockouts. Why does Knockdown. it have to be a Monsters Ball match? And it'll also feature Savannah Evans and Jordan Grace, who might be able to well, save it. Why... Do they need to be there? Like, isn't uh, I'm happy that they're adding. No, but doesn't Alicia them. want Kimberly? Yes. Doesn't this kind of defeat the whole purpose? So she's gonna get her, but it's Monsters Ball. Alicia's fine with it and says bring it on. So I'm just like Alicia and Kimberly in a match together does not appeal to me. Monsters Ball, I guess, might help. And the addition. What's the difference between Monsters Ball and just a a nerdy match? I can't remember. I, I don't think it is much different, to be honest. Um. I don't know if there's any specific... Look it up for me. Fact check that. Okay. So I'm I'm happy they're adding Savannah Evans because I want to see a bit more of her. I think she's got potential. And I love Jordan Grace because honestly, if you put Kimberly and Alicia in a match just on their own, it's not going to interest me at all. So I, I'm not thrilled about this idea, but the addition of the two other women could help it. We then go to all, into an All About Me segment with Tennille Dashwood, which is her like backstage sort of interview show. So they talk about being the new number one contenders. 
and they also hype up their new move called the collab and they're going to use that move to defeat huh, the that, host that's a good name the hosts for today's show which are decay so decay sort of magically suddenly appear through teleportation or whatever their ability is which i always love of course love the magic in my wrestling it's your favorite so they they magically appear and to I guess the idea is that she's so shocked and scared by this that she goes on a like a 15 second rant that is completely centered by censored sorry by just beeps for the whole time. Um, so Caleb then when she's done quickly issues a mature content warning. So Rosemary's doing spooky stuff and asks if the influence feel lucky heading into their match. Tennille wants to end the basic the, the interview right there, but Rosemary says that Decay are the new hosts of this and that the show is theirs. So Rosemary says they are fans, it gets kind of weird here, that they're fans of the host body, but they could use an upgrade and she's sort of touching Tennille, like I don't know if they're gonna like possess her or something. Oh, it's like, I feel like that's like, um, it's kind of like in Venom, because um, the whole thing is Venom's a symbiote, so he needs a host, a host? body. So maybe that's so, the reference that yeah, I didn't get. Yeah, like basically, and she's a demon, I guess, so like maybe she's saying that she's a symbiote and rosemary is merely the so she's sort of reaching body. out and sort of touching Tennille's arm as she's saying like we're fans of this host body but it could use an upgrade like they're looking to take her over so anyways she gets freaked out obviously being Tennille. so the influence leave as madison rain you can hear her saying uh telling caleb to look up how to exercise a demon and the segment ends with rosemary in Tennille's chair telling us that that's all for today so I still found this kind of amusing. Uh, I like these segments more than maybe I should. I'm not sure. But the contrast between these two groups seems to work a little bit maybe. And I don't generally love Decay. So I'm okay with sort of being interested in something they're doing finally. And I think Tennille and Caleb at this point are really good together. Madison Rain doesn't add too much for me. But I'm sort of liking the dynamic between these groups at this point. We then go to Moose and Morrissey. They're backstage basically bragging about sending Sammy Callahan and Eddie Edwards to the hospital after vicious attacks. Morrissey says that he and Moose aren't friends, that this is just an alliance, because that's Morrissey's gimmick, right? There are no friends in professional wrestling, so he needs to constantly justify why he's sort of well, aligned I mean, he with used Moose to tag here. Team with Enzo Morris. I don't blame him for not wanting to have friends. <laughs> uh, Moose says that they're taking this alliance uh, to the Call Your Shot gauntlet at Bound for Glory. And they're going to be the last two competitors. He knows that Moose is going to look at Morrissey in the eye. And he's going to kick his ass because he knows Morrissey is going to do the same to him. Basically, basically, we're going in this gauntlet, gauntlet match. We're going to be the last two. And even though we have an alliance, we're going to fight each other tooth and nail for that opportunity. So that's fine. I still like these two together. Moose's promos are good. He has his own really deliberate, really slow, deliberate style that I think works really well. And I still hope that these two use this to get a tag team title shot. I want the titles off the Good Brothers at this point. I don't care if they're both heels. It might be awkward. But again, I think these two need a tag team title run and just decimate everybody for quite a while. It would be really believable. So I'm hoping that's where it goes when they get their call your shot. They're going to use it for the tag division. But who knows? Well, if they're the final two, they probably wouldn't because they want to fight each other. And again, they might, they're, again, they're not friends, right? So if one of them does get the opportunity, he might be like, screw you, I'm going for a singles title. That would make sense too because they're not friends, as we're told repeatedly. So then we get a match Maybe it's that... it's all a ploy and they are actually friends. You actually were kind of watching this. You were kind of on your phone and checking it out. It is another um, Bound for Glory X Division title match qualifier. So it's Black Taurus 
versus Macklin versus Petey Williams. I'm a big fan of Macklin at this point and Black Taurus as well. I think he's underused. But, and Petey Williams is just there. And Petey Williams is a solid wrestler still, right? Like, he can still go. So Taurus starts out hot, dominates Macklin before Petey then takes his turn and dominates Black Taurus for a bit. Taurus hits a nice tornillo through the through the ropes onto Macklin on the floor, and then Petey hits a Hurricane Rana to Taurus on the floor. We get an angle slam by Macklin. Macklin actually catches a Taurus crossbody, which is pretty impressive, and turns it into a, basically a vertical suplex I thought looked really good. We get a Uranagi backbreaker by Macklin to Petey that looked good. And then a nice flurry kind of leaves everybody down at the mat. We get a destroyer to Black Taurus that looked good, but Macklin catches Petey right after that with his nice mayhem for all finisher. How would you describe it? It's kind of a like a uh, running, I don't know. like it's, I don't really remember. So he's got him. It's like a finish is kind of like a falcon arrow, I guess. But anyways, yeah, I, I think it looks part. cool. I just remember the setup. So I really like this match. I think Taurus is awesome. And I've officially on board a couple weeks ago of being a fan of Macklin to this point. He looks really aggressive. He's got a nice uh, series of power moves. And then you throw in an experienced wrestler who can still really wrestle like Petey Williams. And I thought you get a really good match out of this. Uh, and at this point, I was pretty sure it would be my match of the night. And I think it was. And I hope that they continue to push Macklin because he's kind of, they even talked about it in this match. Like he's low key undefeated since he's debuted on Impact, right? So they're, so far, they're not hyping that up too much, but I think they could start to because I think the guy's really good. And you saw his um, Tree of Woe spear, right? I thought that he, it was okay. I think it looks awesome. But anyways, did you have any thoughts? I know you kind of watched this. I, I thought it was good. <laughs> nice. Uh, so we then get Christian Cage. He's interviewed backstage. He tells Fulton and Austin that they already know what's coming to them tonight. And jo Josh Alexander has the best seat in the house, which will um, help, but will also let Josh see firsthand that he's really not in Christian's realm wrestling-wise. Christian tells Josh to keep which his... that's not nice. But I mean, that I might be true because... Str strongly Ale disagree. No, I agree because Alexander's leagues ahead. Right. That would be the only way I think that makes sense. Christian tells Josh Alexander to keep his emotions in check and goes to walk off, but he's cut off by Christopher Daniels, who explains his reasons for returning, and it's not to relive any past glory, but to right the wrongs of his past and get the one thing he never held before, pointing at that Impact no. World Championship. So he says both, uh, they're both men and wanted to tell him to his face. He said that they can do it anywhere Christian wants, but he wants an opportunity at that championship. So I actually kind of, even though I'm not the biggest Daniels fan, he looked good in his return match last week. And I'm kind of, I like this world title scene where it's quite possibly three baby faces right now, respectfully wanting to beat each other for the title. It feels kind of realistic and a little bit fresh, right? That there is no real heel dynamic here. They're all kind of like almost shifting a little bit to tweeners. They're baby faces, but like, I'm still going to kill you for this title and I'm way better than you and you're going to see that kind of thing. I kind of like it. I don't think Daniel should get a title run at this point, although I don't put it past impact as like a like a career achievement like kind of thing. you run, so to speak. Right. Um, but adding him in the mix, I don't think hurts. So I was actually kind of fine with this segment. And I like the tone of these three. Was Daniel's X Division champion ever? Oh, yeah. A million times. But I just never Kaz the main was, belt. But... Right. Which is interesting because for a time. He, he was, was one of their first guys, right? And he was considered for a few years there like the best wrestler not in WWE sort of thing. Was his. He was like the right. best wrestler nobody's heard about kind of deal. Um, we then get, and you saw this little thing, Swingers Palace. Basically, I think they're like packing up to go to Las Vegas. I don't know. I I've, I struggle to pay attention to these segments. 
and Falaba was there. I guess he's not banned anymore. And I just don't care about this at all. Um, they're just kind of feel like they're filling time. I know you were confused, right? Like, what's really the point of this? And I don't think that's a wrong reaction to seeing a Swingers Palace segment. Yeah. Uh, we then get the learning tree represented by Manny Lemons and Zicky Dice. So the two kind of underlings in that faction taken on Willie Mack and Rich Swan. So basically not much happening here. Dice gets dominated early, including double team moves from the babyface team. Lemons then tags in and the same thing happens to him and like including a double nipple twist from Willie Mack for some reason. Dice gets kicked in the head, thrown out of the ring. Mack and Swan hit what was like, they called it an elevated neck breaker, right? You kind of thought it was I cool. I thought it was cool. Yeah. So it was, um, what was it? Mac has him basically up for like an outsider edge kind of thing. Or no, he kind of had him for like a similar position for the blackout. Oh, exactly. Yes. For the blackout. Sorry. Um, it r- inverted from the outsider edge. Outsider's then, edge, really? I thought you called it razor's edge. Whatever. Same thing. No, I'm, um, uh, no, it is. But I'm surprised that like that's that. That was my reference was, point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a little bit. So they end up winning and they stand tall to end that match. So I was a little disappointed because um, we were finally getting Lemons and Dice in the match, but it was basically a tag team squash match. I think designed maybe to just to introduce this new tandem finisher for Mack and Swan that I thought looked pretty good. So I guess it's fine. It's a squash match, but I think specifically they could do more with Zicky Dice because I've seen a bunch of Zicky Dice and he was actually pretty entertaining in a little bit of time he had in NWA and I've seen him in Championship Wrestling for Hollywood. So I think they could be doing more with him, but I don't know his status. So if he's not signed, then maybe they're just not willing to at this point, I guess. We then get a quick replay of the Deanna Perrazzo attack at Mickey James at the barn, just to remind us of that. And then Gia is in the hallway and she notices that Deanna Perrazzo was kind of having a meeting with Scott Demore about her actions at Mickey's ranch. So Mickey James then barges into the office and basically attacks Perrazzo here. Gail Kim and Scott Demore sort of get in between the two and pull them apart. And then we notice that Matthew Raywalt is also in the room at that point. So Demore assures Mickey that Deanna is being reprimanded for her actions last week in attacking uh, Mickey at her home, basically. Demore said that he's invoking a no contact clause, and if Mickey breaks it, she loses her title shot, yes. and if Deanna breaks it, she's going to be stripped of the title uh, right away. So Gail Kim basically lets them know, because she's in charge of the women's division, I think, that Deanna and Mickey can pick their opponent's match, uh, pick their... Pick your poison. <laughs> pick the poison, yes. So Deanna's going to pick a match for Mickey, and Mickey will pick one for Deanna, leading into their match at whatever it is again i always forget the name of it there you go um gail kim says that diana will face her opponent at the knockouts knockdown on saturday i talked about who that is in the news so it's going to be um what is it masha slamovich yes she's going to take on so i've really liked this feud i think they've been building it really well and the no contact clause and the match picking makes sense in the context of the story they're telling and Deanna's such a great heel. It really helps everything here. I thought this was a good pro wrestling segment and sort of makes sense in what we've been told in this story so far. So then we get in our main event. It is Josh Alexander reluctantly tagging with the champion Christian Cage to take on inevitable ace Austin and Madman Fulton. So Fulton and Christian start out. Fulton gets control with punches and hard Irish whips. Christian fights back, tags in Alexander, but Fulton sort of takes them both out with a double clothesline. Alexander, a little bit later, hits a nice delayed suplex to Austin. 
Fulton gets involved on the apron, so that allows Austin to baseball slide drop kick Alexander to the floor to sort of shift the momentum here. Fulton again distracts Alexander a bit later. Austin lands a nice spinning heel kick to the head. We get a series of counters before a buzzsaw kick by Ace Austin. Alexander fights out of the heel corner, tags in Christian. Christian hits pretty much all of his usual offense while constantly keeping an eye on Fulton out on the apron. Austin lands a kick, tags in Fulton eventually. Fulton stays in control of Christian until he and Austin hit a running, it's like a kick from Austin, and then uh, Christian ends up leaning against the bottom rope, kind of facing out of the ring, and so Fulton, actually, I thought it looked cool. He hits a running cross body to Christian, sort of lying across the ropes, which surprised nice. me. Christian spears Austin out of nowhere to stop the heel's momentum. Alexander tags in. He's a house of fire. Hits a blue thunder bomb to Fulton that was impressive. He hits two German uh, suplexes to Fulton before Austin tags back in. They hit a jumping kick um, back in a back suplex combination that I thought looked pretty good. So Austin and Fulton are starting to develop more sort of tandem moves, and Fulton is definitely improved in the ring, which is nice to see. Christian knocks Austin off the ropes. Runs Fulton into the steps. We get an ankle lock to Austin from Alexander, but Austin escapes. Then we get a blind tag by Cage. Um, Alexander hits the rolling chaos theory to Austin, but then Christian, of course, because he made that blind tag, quickly hits the kill switch to Ace Austin, and the baby faces pick up the win here. So Alexander and Christian shake hands after the match. But um, Alexander doesn't really release the handshake and they're having a bit of words sort of as the show ends. I thought it was a pretty good main event. I love any interaction between Ace Austin and Josh Alexander. Like I could watch them wrestle pretty much any time. Things definitely slowed down when Fulton's in control. But that along with causing distractions is basically what he's there for. So I don't really have a problem with it. And I think Ace and Fulton, like I said, are developing a few cool combo and tandem moves. And I kind of like the, the finish, right? It fits perfectly so Alexander's about to hit his finishing sequence Christian sort of makes the blind tag and takes over the finish and hits his finisher instead which just to sort of further that tension between these two so I thought that was a smart way to sort of plan out the ending to this match so I like the match um, overall I don't think the show was as strong as last week but it was still pretty good the opening trios match was uh, decent or sorry, the yeah, it was a trios match technically, I guess. The X Division triple threat was the highlight for me, and the main event was pretty good too. But the other two matches were nothing special, but we still got three pretty solid matches on impact. Segment-wise, I like the dynamic between Cage, Alexander, and Daniels, as well as the furthering of the James, Mickey James, uh, Deanna Perrazzo feud. All About Me was fun. Swinger's Palace bit was short and forgettable. So I thought this show was good, but not great. It definitely was a step back from last week. So I think this was worthy of a pretty solid B this week. Nothing I think you need to run out and see. Like last week, I was really recommending the X Division triple threat match. And this one was good, but I wouldn't say I need to go out and see it. But a solid show and a B rating for me this week. So then we are going back to our rewind match. It's taken a couple weeks off, but we... We went back to it this week, right? So we'll talk about what our match was. And if you know any backstory between these these little groups, go ahead. Um, Yeah, so our pro wrestling rewind match for this week is The Shield vs. Evolution from Extreme Rules 2014. And it is on YouTube if you want to pause the podcast, watch it, and then talk about it with us or follow along with us, I guess you can do that. Yep. And um, this is uh, the one I've loved since I was a small child person is the one from Payback, which is, I think, a month after this. Which and didn't like, they uh, face no. at WrestleMania before this, too? No? 
No, she'll be, um, this will sound like a joke, but, uh, Kane and the New Age Outlaws. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, they have a match after this, too, which is one of my favorite WWE it, matches. You, it really is. You've watched um, it many times. If I'm basing this off of memory, well, Shield debuted in November 2012 Survivor Series, interrupting a three-way between Punk Ryback, for some reason, and mm-hmm. John Cena. And then they were heels for a while. They were part of the authority. Yeah. And then in early 2014, I think it was, they started to disagree. And then, like, um, I think it was after WrestleMania, Triple H put himself in a title match against Daniel Bryan. Cause right. it was after he had won the title. Um, and the Shield came down to beat up the people. And they had, like, a brawl with Evolution and Kane. And then, um, so they're babyface now. And right. that's how we got here. Yes. So leading into this match, when you told me this was your choice, I wasn't super looking forward to rewatching it, to be honest. So I know this era holds a lot of nostalgia for you, um, but I wasn't a huge fan at this time period. By 2014, I'd pretty much had enough of everyone in Evolution, right? And they were reforming this group for this. Um, and honestly, the Shield wasn't even as fresh as they were a couple years before this. Uh, so at this point, it's like six top guys in a tag match and watching overexposed main eventers in combinations we've kind of seen before is never my favorite thing. I'm always like the mid upper mid card guy. Cause I get tired of the just main eventers in WWE are so overexposed. So, uh, I wasn't super thrilled with your match choice coming into this, but hey, it's your I was choice. about to choose Punjabi prison. Yeah. And I did, wasn't a fan of that choice bad, either. So. Yes. Because purposely bad. Yep. Um, there's kind of a brawl pre-match and the shield clear the ring. A uh, match starts and Rollins hits Triple H with a running corner forearm and a clothesline to send him out and then a suicide dive. Clothesline with Triple H back in the ring, which looked pretty cool. Which looked pretty cool. Um, Batista tags in, sends Rollins in the corner with a hammer throw as booze rain down. They really hated Batista in this match. They really weird. did. And I guess he was leaving for Hollywood, but that was still like a month away at least. Yep. Right? No, he was getting a lot of reaction from the crowd. I here. thought they were saying Blue Tista, but it was Boo Tista at one point, which yep. sucks because a Blue Tista is at payback. And a You Can't Wrestle, also, I heard. Yes. Um, I, I enjoyed the Blue Tista. Yep. That, that was funny. And uh, uh, that's in the payback match. Uh, Decapitator in the ropes by Orton. But Tista hits a boot with Rollins draping off the apron. Orton suplex drops Rollins on the top rope for two. Insecurity by Rollins, and then he gets a hot tag to Ambrose, who takes out everyone. He locks in a figure four on Orton, but Triple H breaks it up, and Reigns takes out Batista and Triple H. Because they mentioned, like, Ric Flair said something good, and then they were like, oh, it's not about the sh- evolution, it's the shield. I don't like, know. I remember it, and so this is <laughs> kind you of say like so. teasing, because Ric Flair was an original right, member evolution. of evolution. Yep. Um, evolution beyond on Ambrose in the corner, drop kick by Orton for two. A more methodical double team by Triple H and Orton, which you could probably say for most of the match. Oh my um, goodness, the first like over half of this was so slow. I thought. Yes. Uh, Spinebuster by Triple H for two. Chinlock by Batista is broken by Jawbreaker from Ambrose. DT by Ambrose and he gets a hot take to Reigns who clears house. Batista goes for Batista bomb, but Re- Rollins hits a springboard knee and Reigns falls with a Superman punch. Triple power bomb to Batista, but Triple H and Orton pull Reigns off with the pin. Reigns misses a Superman punch and takes a pedigree. Batista gets a um, like a a one arm over cover because he's dead. Right. Uh, for two, Arcade Reigns and Rollins breaks the pin again from Batista. Um, Triple H and Orton being Rollins and the Timekeepers there, and Ambrose dives onto them, sort of, mm-hmm. just kind of smacks them on the heads. Right. Uh, or Triple was H, not Ambrose his... and Rollins brawl into the crowd. It was not his best dive ever, for sure. No, it was definitely not. <laughs> 
Um, Triple H gets backed up on like this kind of metal platform and kind of like where in the middle of the stairs. Yeah. The stands, which still kind of cool because that. Yeah, that looked. That was a decent little spot. Yeah. Um, back in the ring, or you no, know, Rollins dives from the stands to take out Triple H and Orton, which is nothing compared to his dive in the other. It still match. looked pretty good though. I yeah. thought like in this match, it was one of the highlights. Yeah. Um, back in the ring, Batista hits a spine bust, but Reigns gets out of the Batista bomb, hits a Superman punch and a spear for the win. Yeah, I mean, this was really slow in plotting to begin with, with lots of basic stuff as Evolution controlled the action, mostly Rollins to begin. So my note was like, it's six sports entertainers, sports entertaining to start, right? And sometimes we don't mind that if it starts slow and builds to like an epic match, but I don't feel that that's what happened here. The crowd's hatred of Batista was honestly the most interesting part of the first several minutes of this match. The pace picked up when Reigns made the hot tag, right? And I thought he looked pretty good during that stretch. And then the action did pick up for a it's while. It's interesting to see a time where they didn't totally hate him. But then they pair off and brawl through the crowd, which is never really exciting to me unless it's going to lead to something cool. And the Rollins dive was pretty cool. But again, the brawling in the crowd is just punch, 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 walk, 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 punch, punch, punch. You know what I mean? So never my favorite sort of thing. Um... And maybe being sort of watching this out of context hurts the match a little bit. But I would say that this match is overrated by a lot of people. I don't think it's a bad match, but I don't think it's really anything to get excited about, especially considering it's extreme rules. And it wasn't like, think of this. I was telling you, it's kind of ironic that the payback match is the one that's right. holds bar more match. extreme than this. Because if you think about like the main event we just saw in AEW and the couple like Pac took two spots that were way bigger than anything in this match, I thought, right? So... Uh, at this point, the Shield were already well-established, and I'm not sure that beating these three did much for them to really change anything. So I, I, I'm I'm being a bit hard on it, I guess. It was probably a good match, and the crowd was way more into this than I was, so I don't think I could rate, rate this any higher than a B. It was like a fine WWE pay-per-view match, but nothing really got me excited about it, and in fact, I was pretty bored for probably like 10 minutes of this 25-minute match. Too. So I, I think it's a B, maybe a B minus. I'll be nice and give it a B because I'm kind of feeling negative about it. So I'll I'll try and um, counteract that by giving it a B. What did you think? Um, I thought this was fine. It started slow, which is fine. But um, I thought it went like that for way too long. Once it picked up, it was more enjoyable. I wish there was some more fast-paced stuff in the ring rather than a crowd brawling, but it wasn't bad. Yeah. Then it, it, would, it, it was kind of anticlimactic because they're brawling the crowd and then all a spear and it's over. Yep. I, I agree. I, the finish I, came kind of like I enjoyed the, quickly. Yeah. I enjoyed the payback match much better. That's just, I, I, I was a big Shield guy. Like I didn't even watch wrestling at that time, but that's one of those I watched retroactively. Oh, and the Shield was it. your jam. That's for yes. sure. Um, then overall, I would give this a B minus. Um, not bad by main roster standards, but not a great match by any means. Yeah, I think, and I think people remember it very fondly, right? And think uh, it's yeah, really good. Yeah, I've heard good things about this, but to me, I think I, I, I honestly can't remember if I've. I think that I've heard this one was good, but I would definitely say the other one was better. And I'm not trying to sound like a AEW mark by any means, but like I think now I'm just we too accustomed to we pro com- wrestling. We compare it to stuff we see on wednesday nights and this is yes, not yes i anything. just always am i'm always subconsciously comparing yes can't help it right yes. uh all right well that's gonna wrap up any other wrestling business i don't have anything to talk about in there do you uh no and we'll move into our final segment every week i don't know how much you've got but it's jack updating us on the world of wrestling action figures and that is figuring it out with jack yeah 
Um, and so we had just got some new images for Ultimate Edition 11. Looks pretty nice. Um, Kane is one of them. Um, he, it's in like a standard red and black gear, but they do have a new, uh, head sculpt where the hair is a little more like slicked back. Nice. And he's also comes with that entrance cape that I think he might've used once or it, and it was at, also in like the concept art. Um, so that's pretty cool. He looks nice and like that he has those butterfly joints in the shoulders, but they do look a little more seamless. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so he looks pretty nice, and he also comes with the Azure title and his voice box thingy. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> and then we also have Undertaker from, like, kind of the Ministry era. He's got, like, um, hair down, slick back hair, and then the tongue face, mm-hmm. which I don't know if that is accurate for the time. And then um, I don't know, in the... In the... Um, uh, in the render images, people kept calling him like a Michael Jackson because it looked really weird, but it looks better in the images. Good. <laughs> like this one con says the Michael Jackson skin looks better now. Um, it's funny. Um, but I, I it looks good. Um, some the some skins look, nah. But um, the I like the hair down skin probably the best. Um, it looks good though. And then I also got that E.W. Kenny, which we already mentioned. We did talk about that. Yes, that is it. And that's it? It's a slow week. It's a light week for figuring it out, but that's okay. So that's going to bring us to the end of episode 64. You can definitely look for me to talk about Ring of Honor 525, probably on Monday. Uh, I think it should be back to normal on Monday. I'm going to try and watch the Impact Wrestling Women's pay-per-view. I forget what it's Knock called. Knockout's Knockdown. There you go. I don't know if I'll find time to talk about it, but you never know. I might if people are interested in listening to some TNA analysis and recap. I may do that. So just kind of keep your eye out for either of those things. But we'll definitely be back here next Saturday for and episode. And we will have to do a separate one for Dynamite because that is a Saturday. That is sure. correct. So, yeah, that's right. So we'll be we'll have to do that in a sort of bonus podcast after the main show. But you look out for those i guess and then also whatever you're doing yep so hopefully we'll see you back here next saturday for episode 65 if not before and until we see you we hope that you do take care